This is HPR episode 1677 entitled New Year Show Part 4 of 8. It is hosted by HPR volunteers and is about 334 minutes long. The summary is New Year Show Part 4 of 8 UTC. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Happy New Year to it is now 2200 hours UTC. Happy New Year to Greece, Cairo, Ankara, Athens, and Bucharest. I'm Finland. Okay, carry on, thank you. Ken, what I was going to say is uh, where to reload Mumble. Where, where was the new snow? Uh, there's no so around Europe apparently in the popular holiday destinations. So there's nothing in the Alps or Austria. So I understand, but I don't go skiing, so I wouldn't know. Well, I think they had some travel uh, skiing issues in the Alps recently, but yeah, there's probably not much snow this year. Quick test: Do I sound okay, or am I too loud? You sound gorgeous. Do I sound okay or not? I have to reload. You sort of normal. I just had to go futz with Pulse again, so I want to make sure it didn't mess up my microphone. You guys are just tinkering. Just don't tinker. You're overthinkers. You just overthink everything. Just don't tinker at all. No, I, I had to because when I switched headphones, for some reason my audio level dropped on on my new headphones, so I had to actually adjust it. That makes sense. Hopefully I'm not sounding too bad, gentlemen. I'm on a, uh Android phone. Yeah, Android's normally crash on Mumble if everyone like talks at once. So how's it going, gentlemen? It's been a long time since I've talked to a few of you. Okay, I'm yeah. Good. Stuff all the Linux computers here. I'm doing fine. It's all good. Not bad here. We've been doing pretty good. Good to hear, folks. I mean, after the last year I've had, you know, I'm kind of really looking forward to bringing in the new year and hoping it's a lot better than this last year has been for me. I've had a terrible year online this year, like, I've just been attacked at every turn. It's been horrible. You try and play these people online and you just get crucified, I've just I found and discovered that much. Yeah, Marcus, we, uh, we need to discuss your posting frequency, bud. And Marcus, I'll tell you, um, from what I've seen of your videos, it's the way you approach things that it would seem to me that gets you attacked a lot. You come off very inflammatory with a lot of your comments instead of just yeah. you know, stating facts. I just get annoyed. Like, people don't realize what's happening behind the scenes. So it's the thing. Like, when you're attacked by a certain group in the Linux, it does get quite difficult 
doing normal videos because you just get attacked all the time. And it's like every single post is someone attacking you from that group. Like, what do you do? Guys, I'm going to go do the family thing. I'll talk to you later. Have a nice one. What Great, you do uh, is run into you, you again, them. Ken. All right, see you later, guys. Yeah, I think that's probably the, 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 the right approach to take. Uh, I mucked around trying to take them on, but it didn't really work too well. <laughs> but yeah, you're probably right. You probably should just ignore them. Uh, in saying that, though, I mean, looking at the gaming community, they seem to be a lot worse than the Linux community are. With that, um, the, with the hacking stuff going on with the um, PlayStation and the Xbox and stuff. Early I actually fire, early fireworks here. Sorry, go. Early fireworks here. So, but it's another two hours. We'll just stop there. How's the uh, photography been going for you, Pegwolf? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Any uh, new gear besides that lighting I heard about sometime earlier in the year you bought? Uh, not really. No. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just not that exciting here as of recent. Alright, so I'm doing a course this year. It's actually going to have some photography part of stuff in there. So I'm going to learn about that in the next six months. Hey, photography man. And I had a question for you based upon an earlier conversation that was in the uh, IRC, if I'm not mistaken. You talking to um, you and Rich. What oh, was his name? Uh, was it Dave Whittle? Was that and Dave Whitman? Dave Whitman, yeah. And it it when I had asked for you guys for advice um, for a friend regarding buying a camera, and it seems to me I'm I'm just curious about this because I am at absolutely no way at all up on on photography and cameras and stuff. But it seems to me that about ten years ago, before the advent of digital cameras that there was a very huge range of cameras. You could go out and, and you could get a camera and a Happy Meal, like a cheap 110 camera and a Happy Meal, or you could go out and buy like a mid-range camera, all the way up to like the high-end professional stuff. You could, you know, tens of dollars, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, everything in between. Now it seems like you have two choices, the camera in your phone, or you're going to go out and spend a ton of money on a, on a fairly professional camera. Has the advent of, or the ubiquity of phones and cameras essentially ruined the low and mid-range market? I'm going to say no. Um, You can go out and get like a Sony A5000, which is a nice little mirrorless camera, for about mm, 230 bucks or so. And it is, by, by specs and everything, it's a pretty fantastic camera. But it would be considered a low to mid range sort of thing. Um, as far as like the absolute like bargain basement kind of like little little tiny cameras, you know, you just buy them and they take like two AA batteries or whatever. Um, I think those are. I don't want to say slowly going away, but uh, for some crowds they are, but for some other crowds there's always going to be that need for them. Like, you know, like someone's mom or grandma, they're always going to go, oh, well, let me go get my camera. You know, they're going to have the little useful camera that they just leave in, like, auto mode and don't really worry about it. Having just purchased a camera this Christmas, past Christmas season, uh, I was looking at anything and everything. There's a very large mid-range market out there, Dan. Extremely large.
It's quite confusing when you don't know what you're buying. Um, I find that. I consulted a blind man. That would be. So what? What is? What is a? What is the? What is the mid-range market? I, I mean, it's because again, I don't know what the prices were like ten years ago on thirty-five millimeter cameras, uh, uh, and and so I'm just curious, like, what is considered mid-range market? Because you're starting at two hundred dollars, that still seems a little pricey to me. But not, and again, not just talking about quality. Um, obviously, you. Uh, well, I don't know, but what, what is considered mid-range? Well, mid-range for me is in between one hundred and fifty bucks and. 250 bucks that's mid-range for me mid-range varies from person to person it depends on how big your your wallet is and how much you want to spend but for me that's where mid-range is it's 100 bucks in between a 150 and 250 anything under 150 is cheap anything over 150 is expensive and uh specs that i look for in a mid-range camera used to be uh around 12 megapixels but that's shit in the garbage now well gentlemen i need to run for now uh good catching up with you and maybe i'll be back a little later tonight we'll see you soon lord d later on guarding um cameras on phones and i noticed my wife bought an iphone 6 plus this year just a month about a month ago but she got a 4s uh but um i, I noticed the camera's quite good on that um i was quite shocked with the photos she was taking Take a picture with a real camera and then put those side by side. See, I don't see the difference. I'm not really a. I, you know, you, I can tell the. Obviously, I'm a hardware person, but um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to tell which is which. I think you have to have an eye for it, a bit like a microphone, I guess. Oh no! Just just go find a bird and take a picture of it with your camera, and then take a picture of it with your phone, and you'll see the difference. Isn't that down to um, what your final output of the picture is going to be? I mean, if you're going to blow it up into something quite a, a decent size and print it out, or get it developed, um, surely you'll, you'll see the detail. But if you're just send, if you're just using it as a, as a Facebook post or something like that, you know, it's a JPEG compressed anyway. You're not going to notice the difference. Yeah, probably. And and uh, oh, first of all, is back. I'm not back. I'm just a figment of your imagination. So, getting back to Dan's question. Um, you know, I see cam. I was just looking over at Tiger Direct right now and looking to see what was like low range, ca- low range cameras, and I'm seeing cameras that are around seventy five bucks or so. That I mean, they're like point and click type uh, digital cameras. So there, there are cameras out there that are not very expensive. It, it all depends on what your needs are. So, what are your needs, Dan? Soundy, that wasn't a question directed to me, was it? Die. No, it was, just, it was a commentary trying to oh. actually answer part of your question. Okay. I'm sorry. I got interrupted by real life over here. Oh, no worries. Let us know when you get back from real life. Man, Audacity's going to really shorten this hour, isn't it? Yeah, not been that much time so far. Uh, that the auto-remove silence thing. Yeah. Yeah, I found with that, when I was doing cribbins, um, I'd go in and, and do that, and it just, sometimes it would just mess up. And in the end, I thought, you know what, I don't know what, I don't know why it's doing it, but I'm going to have to go in and manually. I just got got so used to it. It would screw up on me so many times, and I thought, you know what, it's not even worth the hassle trying trying it and then having to undo it and stuff. So I've just got used to going in and manually cutting it myself. <laughs> I've never done it before, so if that happens to me, there will probably be a lot of silence in my copies 
Yeah, I think Audacity for me has been one of those where when it works, it works brilliantly. Um, and then just for some reason, I don't know, it might get an update or something, and it just does really odd things. Um, all of the things that I want to try and do with it, I don't ask much of it. Uh, but what I do ask, it doesn't seem to want to do. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I can sit there, I can min-max your audio encoder, I can tell you about a bunch of different codecs and what's the best one to listen to and which one's going to use the most CPU based on what bitrate you're running it at. And uh, when it comes to editing audio, epic fail. Isn't that the whole point of Audacity, is to edit audio? Yep. Yeah, I'm, uh, my point was I'm not too good at editing audio, but I'm pretty good at encoding it. Well, um, anyway, topic idea, a discussion idea. Anyone got any predictions for what type of uh, technology we're going to see and are taking over in 2015? Yeah, um, well, okay, so uh, first of all, there is going to be a Joda tablet coming out in May. I believe that's coming out. I did the uh, crowdfunding thing, so I'm getting one of those. Getting my Jola phone soon, which I could have had already if I'd done it earlier with the code. And the Ubuntu phone is probably coming out as well in February. Well, that's what it says on the internet anyway. Can you say Ubuntu again? Why? Why do you want me to say that? Because I asked nicely. The Ubuntu phone? Thank you. Why do you want me to say it again? Because you say it funnier than me. I still think they should have called it Mbongo. Uh, then they could have used the old 80s um, adverts. Mbongo, Mbongo. Okay, that one fell flat. Oh, oh yeah, we've forgotten something actually. Windows 10, so not Windows 9 because of whatever, but Windows 10 should be coming out next year as well. With some of the features copied from Linux, or apparently. Well, desktop Linux, you know, the interface stuff. Oh, that reminds me. Did anyone see the the, the article or the, the news that Microsoft are apparently um, making a new browser that's nothing to do with an Explorer? And it looks, well, the rumours are that it might well be cross-platform. I didn't, I didn't see the article, but somebody said in the uh, Oldcast Planet channel earlier about that. I did see that. Yeah, the impression I got was um, they've almost sort of given up trying to force IE on people, um, that there's been enough change in people's behaviour, um, that they've given up, or not given up, but sort of almost given up trying to make it a lock-in thing, and they're having to start competing on merit, and IE is not competing on merit, um, so they're, they're having to do something they don't really want to do. Maybe it'll be using WebKit or Gecko or something on the back end even, and also Microsoft will change a bit with the new CEO and so on, so... That might make sense, actually, to have a new browser as well. well so which would be better for their back-end, WebKit or Gecko? I don't know. <laughs> but um, Apple went with, well, KHTML. No, they had Safari based on KHTML. And then they did... Google's obviously got WebKit and Chrome. But Gecko is good as well, but I think it's probably getting a bit old, really. I don't really know that much about rendering engines anyway. As far as I understand it, almost every browser, with the exception of Firefox and IE, are all uh, WebKit based. It does make you wonder though, if they are changing the, the back end, you, well, as you say, they might well be changing the, the engine as well. Are they changing all the, the various hooks inside Internet Explorer? Um, 
because I mean, if people have built like websites optimized for IE and locked into IE, um, then Microsoft say, right, this is our new browser, use that, and it's not compatible, or it doesn't doesn't render very well, or something. Is that going to cause them problems? No, maybe that's why they're doing two browsers, so they can have Internet Explorer with the old stuff, and then they can do something more standards compliant with this new browser. Now that would make sense actually, because they're doing too much with Internet Explorer, it will be get complicated probably anyway. Well, they can't take out Internet Explorer because if they do that, then that ruins all of their uh, network settings. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. IE has been deeply ingrained for so long; it's going to be tough for them to change that. Um, as, as far as I've read, well, the rumor anyway was that this new browser, whatever it's called, um, is going to be the default in Windows 10, which um, does make you question what they're doing with IE. Maybe IE will become a bit like, well, not really the same, but that was the old MSN Explorer in Windows XP as well, and that kind of disappeared. But yeah, they did do that. Yeah, on a more cynical note. What's the betting we'll be si- <coughs> excuse me? What's the betting we'll be sitting here next year on the HPR New Year special saying, well, we might see an Ubuntu phone next year. They said they're going to release it. Well, it might be about the Ubuntu tablet next year, like instead actually, that there was going to be one, an official one. Oh, that was the other bit of Microsoft news. I knew there was something that I thought about when I brought that up. Was there was also another story about them um, realizing with Windows Phone that it's not going to be competitive. It's just the the platforms iOS and, and Android are just far too big and they're not competing. Um, so their solution is reluctantly to give in and make um, Android or make it compatible with Android apps. Well, there's that's what Jola does. I think. I mean, yeah, the operating system is different, but it is compatible with Android apps. Yeah, I think that they're finding, I think Microsoft are finding that as far as being appealing to consumers, if the apps aren't there that people want to use, they're not going to buy the phones. And if, if nobody's buying the phones, developers are going to treat it as a third-rate uh, platform at best. Um, and the apps won't be there. Uh, and they've already tried sort of throwing money at developers to get apps made for it. And apparently a lot of the apps that are made aren't all, all that great. Um, so that's kind of it's given into the inevitable that you've got, you've got to work with Android. <laughs> well, you have, yeah, you have to have the apps that people want, otherwise the, the average pe- uh, person is not going to go for that other um, operating system. Simple as that, really. They want the apps. They couldn't really care about the operating system that much, in fact. Anyone hear about um, what happened to the, the Nokia Android phone? Uh, I thought Nokia was pretty much in bed with Microsoft there. No, I think they are. They are, but they they actually they they announced or they were I don't know if they were going to release or they have released or something. It was a an Android uh, phone where the UI looked like Windows, looked like Windows phone, but it was Android. And apparently they were releasing it in two or three countries. It was something like Japan and South Africa. Or something like that, um, and they weren't releasing it anywhere else. I was just wondering if that was actually released or, or what happened to it. It might, it might have been, or, or it might, they probably can, they might do something like that if not. Because, uh, like you said earlier, Windows phone doesn't really sell and so properly, so it makes sense to do that really, under the new Microsoft anyway. 
I know Microsoft were kind of upset that phone retailers weren't, or salespeople and phone phone retailers weren't giving any um, attention to Windows Phone. Now, when someone comes in for a phone, it's about what you got. The Windows Phone's always getting overlooked. They're offering you Android and they're offering you um, Apple. Uh, and Microsoft were a bit kind of hurt over that. But you can understand it. Um, if the if they're looking to make a sale at the end of the day, and if the product just isn't all that compelling, the platform isn't that compelling, the salesperson's not going to waste their time trying to sell it. No, they're going to try and sell what they like. Yeah, that's true, but that's also an, an, an inertia thing as well. Um, the more people that have um, that already invested in one platform, whether it's Android or Apple, um, they're going to try to sell that one. And if, if you've got an entire sales force and the, the, the split is pretty much 50-50, uh, one or the other, then that's what they're going to try to sell you. And that's what they're going to, because that's what they know the best. Um, and they know the features of and stuff like that. So they're going to overlook anything that's kind of unusual that comes in like a Windows Phone or like Jola or Ubuntu or whatever. They're going to get overlooked. Um, and people are going to offer you Android and offer you iOS, you know. You forgot BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah, I think the world forgot BlackBerry. I wonder if that's a, a comparison with um, trying to, to sell Linux in a, a, in a Windows and Apple-dominated world um, where you know yourself as a Linux user what it can do, you know how easy it is to use and so on. And you, you try to show someone um, who, who's used to Windows and used to Apple, and it's just it's just not you know oh, can I run all my apps on it? No, you can't. Uh, but we've got these similar things. Well, it's not really the same, you know. It's this platform that only a minority have heard of, and a minority are trying to are enthusiastic about, and the majority have never even heard of it. I'm buying a new computer. What can you have? Well, we've got all these Windows machines here, you know. I'm, I'm just wondering if there's any any parallels there. Actually, it, Linux is not so unheard of anymore. Most, I'm finding that more and more people that I talk to have heard about Linux, and a lot of people have even used Linux on something and known that it was Linux. Then they either like it, it's okay, or it doesn't do what I want it to do. I was going to say is that's that's the other caveat as well as knowing that it's Linux. There's so many people, they like um, Chrome OS or they like Android, uh, but they have no idea that it's Linux. Well, I tell people uh, and when I go to class, uh, I tell folks that I use Linux. Then they're like, oh yeah, I've played with Linux before. Or my mom has that on her computer and stuff like that. I get a lot of, it doesn't run iTunes. And the response really should be, well, that's by design, but that's not what they want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Specially engineered operating system designed not to run iTunes. Uh, my humble opinion, there should be a way for you to purchase all of the uh, the rights and binary blobs and everything to make all that crap work. And then people that actually want it to work can get the free Linux distribution and then go buy all the licenses. And then pay the yearly royalty fees and all the crap that goes with it. But there has to be deals done for even that to get to make it so that you can just buy all the um, stuff, and and obviously there's not <laughs> the companies that actually own those uh, things don't really care enough at the moment, I guess. And 
Yeah. Well, anything involving Apple. I mean, Apple are making money hand over fist, treating people like dirt. Um, so, you know, they've got they've got people exactly where they want them. They've got developers begging and jumping over backwards to get into the into the iTunes uh, store. Doesn't matter how badly they're treated, they'll still jump up, bend over backwards to get into the store. People will still line up round the block on release day to buy buy a new iPod or iPhone or whatever. That um, doesn't, as well as paying through the nose for it. Um, Apple have got that well and truly nailed down, so they're not going anywhere. Yeah, they did a fantastic it. job with marketing. If anybody ever needs to go take a marketing class, I hope they take it from somebody that did the marketing for Apple. Yeah, I think I agree. I think it's pretty good. I mean, you think about how powerful they actually are. Most people don't see Apple as a bad company that uses their products. If you use Sony, on the other hand, most people are aware of what, what Sony are like in the background. I think, I think, I think Apple do have a very good marketing skills. Well, I mean, I don't like Apple. I don't like their products. I don't like the heavily proprietary nature of what they do. I don't like a lot about Apple. Having said that, you really have to admire them for when the whole race to the bottom, price-wise, was starting to hit the, the rest of the PC industry, and everyone's trying to undercut each other, and well, we'll go $10 cheaper, and we'll go $50 cheaper, and everyone's going cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. Apple refused to even play that game. They just said, no, we feel we've got a premium product. We're going to keep our prices exactly the way they are. If we lose people who don't want to spend that money, tough. We don't care. We'll, we'll happily sit at the premium end of the market for people with that kind of money who want what we consider to be a quality product and are willing to pay for it. And we'll accept the fact that we've got a tiny market share, but we've got mega profits for every sale um, compared to you know, barely scraping uh, a profit selling a, a device to the, to the lower end of the market. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think they do it really well for their market. Uh, I mean, I, I'm someone that, I mean, I got my wife's support recently. She put a six for us. But I mean, my wife spent, a, a, they're hugely expensive here in New Zealand. They, they, they only, everyone's only really buying Apple products here. It's like um, you get a phone, you get an iPhone. So they've got the market, so they can pretty much charge what they like. Thing is, there's thing is, there's sort of two sides to this. One is the idea that people generally think if something is expensive enough, they think basically, or well, the more expensive, the better it is. That's what generally people think for a lot of things. So that's one of the points. The other point is that the average person doesn't really know about what choice is actually out there, and they don't really care enough to look themselves. So all they know is sort of Windows, well, Windows phone, we're talking phones, okay, Windows phone, they might, they'll know there probably is, but Android, Android and, well, Blackberry's kind of disappeared, like this or web or sort of thing earlier, so, um, you know, they don't really know the options, I don't know, there's something like a Jolo or there's a thing called a Bunty phone that's supposed to be coming out, you know, they don't know about that, and so, and they might have had bad experience with Windows on, as a third point, on the computer, so another reason they might be like, oh, I don't want Windows phone. So, you know, without the choices, they're going to go for the more expensive, not not everyone, but some people are going to think, oh, well, it's more expensive, so it's going to be better, and then if all their friends have it and so on, another reason, and so it goes on. Well, yeah, I, I agree. Chew on this for a second. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Nokia 
sold the most phones in the world. Granted, they all weren't smartphones. They were most of them were flip phones, but they sold the most phones in the world. And in the same year, you probably knew more about an Apple phone than you did anything from Nokia. Well, for, first first point on on what Seb was saying there was it's not just that people think it's more expensive, so it's better. The problem, well, the the thing that Apple have really done well is they've made uh, products. All of their products are things that feel like premium products. You're not just paying the price for a premium product and then walking out and feeling that it's really plasticky and it's slow and it's sluggish and whatever. It feels like a premium product. So if, when you've paid a premium price, you feel like you've you've been you've got value for money. You know, you feel that. So it's not there's no buyer's remorse there. You're already bought into the um, into the, the whole concept. But I mean, the other thing that Apple have done really, really well to raise their profile. Apparently, this was something that Steve Jobs um, did. Wasn't it just Apple? It was him personally. Is he would go around um, like TV studios, movie studios. He would take tours of there and get backstage um, stuff and meet directors and producers and actors and whatever, and just hobnob with them. And what he would do is go into the like the props department, and he would just drop off lots of iPhones and iPads and various devices, so that when the program makers, when they say, right, we need this character to make a phone, make a phone call, um, they don't have to go and make a prop; they just go and get an iPhone, and therefore, on screen, what you see on screen is effectively a prop, but it's a real phone, and it's something that, that Steve Jobs has personally dropped off at the props department. Therefore, Apple get free promotions in TV shows and in movies. And they said, right, if you show the Apple logo, you have to pay us. So that's why you see a lot of them. You'll see what you know as an Apple product. You know it's a Mac or something because you recognize it. But there's something obscure in the Apple logo. And the reason for that is because they haven't paid Apple to show the logo. But they've got a free prop. I think uh, Fissile Web, the first bit there, that's exactly it probably as well. They pay the premium price, and then it feels like a premium price because it's well, it's because you know, it's not Windows. It's a job operating system itself. It's designed better, and it feels you know feels good, I suppose. And then Android is good as well, but Android is generally on cheaper phones. So these people, so people are going to think, oh well, iPhone is more expensive, and it lo- and then the bling and all that as well, how it looks. And that's probably what wins people over. So with Macs, and then it, but of course with a casual computer, it's different because most people don't really know about desktop Linux, or they're too afraid to run it, or you know, there's all these different debates. So it's sort of Windows or Mac, and yeah, that's a bit different. I think there's also a, a, a thing about um, impression of a commodity, whereas. On Android, you say, well, what is Android? Well, Android can be anything. Samsung do Android. Google do Android phones, although you can't buy them in the shops. Um, LG and whatever. And the same with uh, in the computer market. Well, what is Windows? Well, that can you'll get that on a Lenovo or a Dell or whatever. It's a commodity. It's just it's the one similar experience across a lot of different hardware. Whereas Apple, the only way you're going to get the Apple operating system, whether it's iOS or um, or OS 10 is on Apple products, so it feels it's got the impression they can sell it as this custom um, custom thing that's that they've put all this work into and it's special and it's unique and it's 
rather than just a commodity thing that they've bought and, and shoved on top of it. It's like it's all combined. Apple do the software and the hardware. You're getting all this special magic um, as a premium product, a premium designed product that's designed to work well with each other. And they can sell that narrative because it is exclusive. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's exclusive. It's the hardware and the software. It's, it's both together. It's not just the software on well, various different types of hardware and then with all the marketing power and all the rest of it and then, yeah, Apple sells. I think they've also got the right idea when it comes to, I, wouldn't, I don't like calling them geniuses, but the idea or the concept that you can buy something as advanced as a computer or a smartphone or a tablet and then if you want to, to say, show me how this works, I want to find out how this works, you don't have to go faffing about on forums and, and all that. You can just take it into the Genius Bar and ask them, and they know what their products are, and they can show you, and they'll set up, they'll install things. Um, from a customer service point of view, that is that is good. But what I've noticed as well with Apple is that a lot, a lot of people who aren't, you know, not really interested in technology or, or search for computers or anything, they're not really very technical, but yes, they have Apple, and some of them, they really like Apple, and they think it's... As the saying goes, I believe they think uh, it's the best thing since sliced bread. I think that's what I'm saying. Um, and you know, I've I've come across some of these people in person this year, and I just I, I just don't really understand it fully myself why uh, why they're so into Apple when they're not even technical. But it's probably because, like we're saying, it's premium price and it works really well and all that. So and they don't know about all the other choices and so on, so yeah, they really like Apple. Um, I think it's more to do with, yeah, it's weird to me a lot of the time, like my wife, not really techy, but um, she, she, she's quite intelligent, but um, she goes and asks her friends, and her friends have got, um, you know, she was very happy with the iPhone 4S, nothing was wrong with it, um, I'm going to upgrade two years later and get an iPhone 6 because it's plus, because it's a big phone and I can afford it, so why not? I don't know what an Android is. I'm not going to buy an Android. Her parents have got Androids, but, uh, which is quite surprising. But um, she's quite happy with the Apple, Apple product. She's not going to change. So she goes and gets a success, and it's been working fine for her. She's quite happy. You know what I mean? She'll probably upgrade to the next version when it, when, when it, when it happens. I think with Apple, the, the thing that, that I would... It's, it's different, different ideas for different people or different solutions for different people. Some people are suited to Apple. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't touch them personally, but I can see the appeal. Um, and for some people, it's, it's the right solution for them. The, the thing that I always caution people against um, is the fact that if you're buying Apple, you're not just buying a product. You're getting on a treadmill, and that treadmill is going to rob your bank account something rotten because their whole thing is... When you buy a new when you buy a new product, when that gets a bit older and you've got another new product, they stop supporting the older one and you've kinda of got no choice but to upgrade. And everything's locked in together. Everything's designed to work with other Apple products. They use um, apparently they use uh, support as an upsell. When you're saying I need to get such and such, I've got a problem with such and such. Their their role is essentially find out what non Apple product you have, blame that. And then the solution to fixing that, to that support problem is buy this Apple equivalent to that one program that we're going to blame for the problem. And I think that's horrendous. But the idea that it's like going to be your eyes open. As long as you're aware that you're stepping on a treadmill and you're going to keep, they're going to keep gouging you. 
every so often you're going to be expected to keep paying more and more and more and you're stuck on the Apple treadmill. Um, and as long as you're, you're happy with that, then fine, but go on with your eyes open. Um, and it's also the, the idea that Apple have their own ways that they want you to do things. They've worked out the, what they think is an optimum way for you to, to your workflow to be. And as long as you agree with that, and as long as you're willing to adapt to that, you'll find Apple products brilliant. When you decide, you know, it doesn't really work for me, or I want to do things another way, then you start bumping into these invisible walls as Apple tried to force you back down their own path. I remember uh, working in the computer store a couple of years ago and um, all these Apple fanboys were coming in and buying the latest um, Mac, MacBook, wherever it was. And it was the, it was exactly the same. It had exactly the same um, stuff inside it, like an i7 processor and a, um, you know, same same hardware as this uh, Sony laptop that was a thousand bucks and the Apple one was two and a half thousand. Yeah, it was like hugely expensive. And these people were just coming in and buying it. And I was going, why don't you have a look at this? That will do the same thing. But they didn't okay. want to know. Yeah, yeah, I've got two points. Uh, so first of all, yeah, you you buy one Apple product and then the support will run out and they will try and get you to buy the next one and all that. And yeah, and the other thing is, um, yeah, the, the, you talked about an Apple store. I remember going into the uh, one in the local city here in uh, August 2012 where two people who, anyway, and I went in there, and I'd never been in an Apple store, I'd never actually been in an Apple store all, I didn't think, before then, I went in there, and it didn't take long, and I basically saw exactly why, one of the reasons why I don't buy Apple, and quite simply, because it's just, everyone, a lot of people in that store, they were looking at the Macs, they were looking at this and that, but what they were also looking at was Microsoft Microsoft Office for Mac. And I'm thinking, you know, if you want Microsoft Office so badly, then go and just use Windows for it. <laughs> or if you like, more recently, you can use the online docs, but that's uh, a separate thing. Because, you know, if you want to use Microsoft Office so badly, you might as well use Windows. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, I had a lot of that too, actually. Uh, I think, I mean, I was actually there for the Sony, uh, promoting the Sony laptop anyway, but um, uh, Sony tablet, which was a little bit overpriced, but that's another story. But, uh, I, I mean, as I say, I think Sony do their marketing completely wrong. I mean, I think um, the way Apple have done it is brilliant, and I think um, Sony should probably look at how Apple do stuff, to be honest. Yeah, uh, Apple don't market product. They market a lifestyle. Uh, and they get you to buy into that lifestyle, and it's that cool, trendy, hipster lifestyle. Um, it's, the, it's the exact same type of marketing as you get with, uh, with aftershave and perfume and things like that. that. That's what they want people to buy into, is that lifestyle. That's the lifestyle you could live if you buy this product. Um, and yeah, it works. It really does work. doesn't on me, but it does work on a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a brand as well. Exactly. It's a brand like a lot of, <laughs> like a like Toyota and, you know, various different brands and cars, perfume, um, loads of different brands. But it's also a lifestyle or can be like this or whatever you said. I but, but saying all that, I mean, Linux and open source software and being into that and going on a, po- a podcast that we're doing now or, Going to an open source event. I mean, that's uh, you know that's our lifestyle or can be, but it's just completely different to um, what the Apple lifestyle would be, or even the um, Windows liking lifestyle would be. Or like when you like 
like one of these all the Microsoft stuff and all the rest of it and other proprietary software and Adobe Photoshop and all the rest of it but yeah it's different lifestyles as well that's think, a good point there I think as well with the the branding I mean people when you, when you think of Windows if you're not a techie when you think of Windows it's basically that machine that you have to use at work that you're fighting with at work that keeps crashing it's this thing of, of frustration so when you're going out to buy a phone, you're like, I want something I can use for fun, I can use it for different things, I want to be reliable. Oh, Windows, oh, no way, I'm not touching that. It's, it's a kind of toxic brand when it comes to choice. When you've got a choice of something else, you invariably go with something else, uh, other than Windows, because it's not a, not a, well, a well-received brand. Um, it might well be among the, the sort of corporate world, the buyers, it must be the lock-in and whatever, but personal... No, really. Um, the other thing as well, though, is when a brand becomes so ubiquitous, it's, it, it can almost be a saturation point. Um, I mean, I'm at the point where I will not, well, I will not buy uh, white earbuds um, because any time I see someone with white earbuds on, I automatically think of iPod or Apple, and it's like it's almost like I don't want it to be. I don't want to be associated. I don't want anyone to see me walking down the street and think I'm wearing an, wearing an iPod. <laughs> regard to the iPod headphones, they're horrible. They're the best headphones I've ever, ever, ever put on, ever. My, my, I've got my Y6 Plus ones. They're horrible. They, they're one of the... They've just got a funny design and they're freaking horrible. They feel horrible when you put them on. I don't know. They look, may look cool, but they're definitely not pre- practical. Well, the thing is, with the brands, companies can't control who uses their products. I mean, there was a problem in the 90s here. There's a band, a band, a brand called Burberry here. Um, they make like checked um, things and checked clothes and here in the 90s football casuals took to wearing Burberry that was their brand of choice so on the news free promotion for the Burberry company was every well not every front page but regularly front pages every weekend all over the country was football casuals turning up up at a town or a city at a football game and running riot kicking the shit out Kicking lumps out of people. Sorry, I'm trying not to swear. Kicking lumps out of people and you know fighting with people and going around trashing shops and whatever. And the photographs on the newspapers and the, the six o'clock news, the ten o'clock news. All these people wearing Burberry and Burberry hated it because that was really hurting their brand. Because let's face it, when you when that becomes the norm, if you're not a football casual, why would you want to wear Burberry? You because if you wear Burberry, you're assumed by the other football casuals, or oh, he's one of us. So, and you don't want to get drawn into that, so you just don't buy Burberry, and they hated that. And I'm wondering if Apple have gone to that same stage with, well, with the iPod in particular, that everyone and their uncle is wearing, has got an iPod. Um, so a lot of people who have got have images and do stuff that you don't particularly approve of, they're proud Apple users, <laughs> and they're giving the brand a bad name, and there's nothing that Apple can do about it. Happy New Year's, guys. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <clears throat> Happy New Year, Pokey. Finally made it. Sorry, I wasn't here for most of the day. I just got home from work. Hey, Pokey. What's up, Eggwall? Let's go on with the Apple discussion now, because it is, it is again interesting. Oh, sorry, I won't interrupt. No, no, you can join in. We're just discussing Apple. Yeah, uh, I think I've said all I have to say about Apple at this point. Yeah, I've got basically nothing to say about Apple at this point. Okay, so, uh, 
the only thing I would say is um, I, I do agree with what you guys have said. I, I actually do think people get locked in and just don't realise what being locked in means. <laughs> they actually yeah. have no idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Apple lock-in. I was going to say that earlier. Vendor lock-in. I remember there was an old saying all that. I remember there was an old... Well, it's probably still there. There's a vendor lock-in page on Wikipedia, which had Apple on there, Microsoft, I think Adobe. I haven't been on for quite a while, but I remember reading that before thinking, yeah, this is this is a good good page. And that was quite a while ago when I last read it, but I assume it's still there. Vendor lock-in page on Wikipedia. I think you're exactly right, Marcus, and you have to be right because people don't get vendor locked in when they know what it is. When you realize what vendor lock-in is, you avoid it. So, yeah, it's the only way it can happen is for people not to know it. Uh, I guess it's the same with, like, takeaway places. Like, everyone knows what McDonald's is. I suppose McDonald's is a bit like Apple. And you get no. No, Burger King you, would be Windows, I suppose. No, you, know, you, you, you can go eat. out for your little snack at the, um, you know, and we'd be the snackers that go and get fish and chips instead. No, <laughs> no, no, because no. you, you can eat McDonald's today, and you can go to Burger King tomorrow, and they won't make you barf up your McDonald's at the door. And good thing, because McDonald's would have made me barf the day before. No, they've got a nice fish burger at the moment, wouldn't they? But yeah, no, so I think it is, marketing does have a lot to do with it. Actually, that's an interesting point there. Food, be it fast food, be it restaurants, be it the supermarket, um, or be it your local shop, your local, or your local butcher, local grocery. I suppose in this sense, probably not really get you don't really get locked in anywhere because there's so much choice that you don't really get. Yeah, I don't think you really do get locked in to any specific um, shop for food. Yeah, that's oh. all brand um, recondition, recondition, though, isn't it? Like McDonald's is all about the brand and the big M, and you're, you're driving something, what do we get for equal? Oh, there it is, there's the, there's the store, let's go and get something from them. It's all Man, brand. you know what? Sorry, Marcus. No, I'll finish, Karen. I was going to say, I just realized, uh, you know, I was thinking about it when, when I just said that uh, food really can't be vendor locked in. I was going to say, there's been sci-fi that I'm aware of that, you get vendor locked in with food that once you start eating it, you can't turn back. And I realized it was in one of the books from the audiobook club, so it's probably not fair that I bring it up. You can get locked into a, a brand in a way, though, because if you let, let's say, let's use chocolate as an example here. You like um, Smarties, which I assume is pretty global, so it's an example. Or your Mars bar, or your, I mean, they're actually sort of cheap copies of Mars Bar sort of thing, like very similar, but if you want a specific product, specific chocolate, then well you only got that one company to buy it from because there is no other one selling the same uh thing in that sense. But if it's for banana or something like that on the other hand, then obviously there's various different um companies selling bananas and then you can't get locked in in that sense. No, I disagree. You're, you're, you're confusing the concept of vendor lock-in. Yeah. You're, what... not, you're, you're not locked into anything. You can easily just say, I don't want to pay Mars bar prices or whatever. I'll just buy another another chocolate bar. I reckon marketing is yeah, yeah, but I, I... I meant Yeah, but I meant for the very the specific products in this case. So, But that's trademark. It's got, it's, it's got nothing to do with vendor lock-in. Vendor lock-in is, is when you buy, like, your printer. And then all of the printer ink that you have to buy from then on comes from them because they won't license it to anybody else. And it gets more severe with a product like, um, 
you know, an iPod used to be. They, they use MP3s now, but say like a Zune, you know, that only uses WMA files. Well, if you want to switch your, your vendor, if you want to switch the vendor of your MP3 player, you can't because your media is locked into that vendor. Or with a Kindle, if you buy all your books on a Kindle and you want to switch your e-reader, you now cannot do that because all of the media that you've purchased is locked into that Kindle. Uh, it's the same thing like buying cartridges for a Nintendo or, or a, a, an old Sega or something like that that came with cartridges. As soon as you upgrade, you can't use your, your cartridges anymore. Now, it's a little different than vendor lock-in because they did it to themselves. They would move on the platform without you. But, you know, before the before the platform rev, like if you bought an NES and bought a, a dozen NES games for 50 bucks a piece, well, you're into the games for 600 bucks. The, the Nintendo machine only cost you 150 So now you're locked into that machine, and even if it breaks, you're going to buy another one because you got 600 bucks worth of games. Um as opposed to going and buying uh, a Sega because, oh boy, that Sega Master System looks cool, but I've got no games for it and I've already spent 600 on on the other games. So it's that's vendor lock-in. You're talking about brand loyalty, um, which everybody likes. Brand, brand loyalty, I think, is, is uh, advantageous to the vendor and the consumer because you know that you're getting something from someone you trust and that's what um, that's what trademark is all about. That's why trademarks have to be so vehemently defended. Uh, reverse yep. marketing is interesting too. If you look at how that movie got uh, that Sony did, um, what's it called? The interview. Um, that works in a different way. If you're marketing something like that, like uh, people are going to see it, not so much because the movie's good, because it was banned. So they want to see it because they want to see what was banned. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean, but that one wasn't banned. It just the movie theaters didn't want to play it after all the bad news came out about it. But yes, your your point stands. Yeah, but no, they got threatened or whatever. But Alabama said whatever, and then it's showing in America anyway, and online or whatever it was. Um, yeah, black brand loyalty, and then what I was gonna say is your games example is is perfect one. You buy those games and. You can't run it on a different console because obviously it doesn't support those games, and so you're stuck with the maybe the upgrade of the console you had, but to run those games. But that's it, really. Unless they're open source game, but then there's no games consoles anyway. Well, there's that um, course it's called that was like a feel like a Game Boy, but an open source, open standards thing. But that's another topic. Fortunately, there is a cure. For vendor lock-in, it's called piracy. Uh-huh. Right, okay. uh, uh, so, uh, speaking uh, of new tech, I've got some new. Sorry, I think this all wants to tell a joke. But um, Kim dot com's coming out with something interesting, and I don't know when. But it's to do with um, he reckons it's rival Skype, and it's all done on the Tor network. So I don't know what that's all about. Make a chat. Let me hear this web first, and then I'll comment on that. All right, so just a quick bizarre non sequitur, um, apropos of nothing. I just figured there should be a voice-operated um, thing for, for smartphones that operates that, that starts your apps, and the command to start it should be Go Go Gadget, and then the app name. Uh, so Go Go Gadget Camera, and it would switch your camera on. If it had pushed to talk, I'd be down, but I don't like my devices listening 24 hours a day for me to say Go Go Gadget. Though that is a good command for it. 
Yeah, it was just I, I was actually thinking about smartwatches and what the point of them was, and then it occurred to me that um, from way way back, I remember like Inspector Gadget cartoons when he would talk to his watch, uh, and that that's what made me think of it. <laughs> it's like go go gadget, you know, flashlight or something. I think, and, and you may get this joke this whole web because you're, of, I think you're of the right uh, age group, but I think my command would be magic dick, magic dick. I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> you never heard that it. joke? It's one of the worst jokes ever. That sounds like a cheesy job, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we'll let people Google it. Yeah, not safe for work settings. Um, anyway, sorry, back to the discussion. As I said, I initially came back and I thought I was going to burst in with that, and unfortunately, everyone was having an interesting conversation. I didn't want to derail it. <laughs> the more I was waiting, I'm thinking, oh well, <laughs> building up to it. It's not really that funny, but it would have been as a as a just throw anyway. Anyway, back to the discussion. Well, I don't want to, you know, I, I I feel like I should apologize to Marcus for standing on that point, but it's hard to have a discussion when certain things are not defined, and if we're talking about a thing, it, it needs to be defined if that discussion is going to hold up. And vendor lock-in is a, is a clearly defined thing. And I'm sorry for, uh, you know, keep batting that back at you to, to say that what you're talking about wasn't vendor lock-in. But it's, it's um, you know, like I said, it, it's for me, it has to be defined or else I, I have a hard time uh, yeah, holding my very, end of the discussion up. Very random. minus one to next time zone. And I actually tend to get, like, I change my topic halfway through a sentence. T minus a quarter, you mean? Oh, yes. Ken's New Year at Ken's New Year, Sweden, um, Netherlands, well, Mr. Western Europe. Three, and two, two one. Happy New Happy Year! Happy New Year! That was to a lot of places. Germany, Western Brussels, Europe. Madrid, Paris, Rome, and a whole lot more. Good call, Sound Chaser. Thanks, happy man. Happy New Year, yeah. Yeah, that's um, Central Central Europe, uh, just an hour away from us. Well, when I say us, I mean myself and Sir. Yeah, we're next. I, I do apologise for changing topic halfway during a um, conversation. It's just a thing with me. Just don't know me when it happens. I think a lot of these things are... A lot of people don't really grok the difference. I mean, I've seen it quite a lot um, discussing with people when they say, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a copyright infringement thing, and what they're actually talking about is patents or trademarks. I think it's all um, this catch-all vague term called intellectual property, and it all means the same thing, and you can just replace the word patent in the same sentence with trademark, and it means the same thing. It doesn't. It just doesn't. Um, and sometimes <laughs> that, that can happen. You're absolutely right, and on that same note, I apologize to Marcus when I meant to apologize to Seb Seb. <laughs> no one apologizes to me, though. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, the <laughs> copyright thing, um, I find that an interesting topic because I can't get my head around a lot of it. And I think a lot of the laws, even in this country where I am, uh, written in the 1960s, apologize for people mowing lawns you can probably hear next door. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I find that quite um, um, fascinating because um, people just don't understand the laws and they're out of date. They need to update them for well, the modern world. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So many things have been, the laws were written for an analogue world and now we're living in a digital world um, or a digital and analogue world. They're written, they were written at a time where if you want a book, it's a physical book, it's paper. Um, printed paper that you buy and if you, um, if they say right, you can sell that or you can get rid of it you no longer have a copy of it 
um, whereas a digital world um, it's a copy it's everything that comes it's, it's a copy when you say oh, buy this track okay you know it's not buying but um, when you say on iTunes or Amazon or whatever buy this thing um, you don't get the original copy you get a copy made from the server on your device that's a copy that's not an original thing if you sell it you still have the copy you can still you can still use that copy, your copy, and have it an identical copy on someone else's machine that you give it to, you sell it to. So it's written for a different world. Um, in the digital world, everything's a copy. And the politicians the don't get it. Oh, sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt. But the politicians just don't get it. They, they listen to the big businesses who have their own motives, and they just don't get they're actually stuffing the public around because they, they're picking on people really that don't know what the laws are anyway. And, and are just sharing content or whatever, or putting something in a video that someone else has done. I mean, even the national, the the, the current government got into an election time here because they stole an Eminem song. They didn't know. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Yeah, th- this brings up a kind of side topic as well. But really, you rent stuff. You don't just own the. You don't own the physical copy. You maybe have a PDF, but you rent a lot of stuff now. You Netflix. You rent. You rent stuff on your cable box. You know, you you stream stuff when you're paying for it. You're basically renting it. You don't own the physical anything. Well, you license well, it for a term. I, I I'd like to add to what Marcus said. It's not just that the politicians don't get it. I've realized recently that most of us don't get it. Um, when we talk about these laws uh, being laws for an analog world and and being kind of clumsily transposed onto a digital world it's it's more than that um and cory doctorow has put it the best i think because he put it well enough that i started to understand it is it was their laws made for a, a world that's in an industrial revolution um well he didn't say that this is just kind of the way i understand it but the laws were mostly made for the world while it was in an industrial revolution and we're no longer in that industrial revolution we're post-industrial at this point um or at least we we're trying like hell to be uh where the the laws were made for industry copyright was is, is industry law you it's assumed that if you're copying a book you're doing it with a printing press and you're selling physical copies uh, so therefore, you're industrial. Whereas, like you said, you you have to make a copy of it just to put it up on your screen. I mean, you, you probably make four copies of it at least. You've got a copy in RAM. You've got a copy going through your processor, a copy in your video RAM, and and one up on the screen. I mean, it's 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 a copy of a copy of a copy. So it, it doesn't apply. But it's not just because analog and digital. It's just the the, the very nature of uh, our economy on which the the laws are all for the most part, intended to protect, has changed. Yeah, yeah I agree. That, Actually, that, just in regards... Sorry, Thistle, I don't mean to interrupt. But um, just in regards to that, um, on election day here, we had you know, a couple of sports stars got in trouble for tweeting, go out and vote on election day, and they actually got um, taken to court over it. It's just everyone's on Twitter tweeting about stuff. You can't stop a whole population Um saying something in social media that, about laws that were done 20 years ago. I think and it's not copyright, but it's to do with social media. I think the law of the laws just need to be updated more, more than not. Yeah, um, that, that was one of the things that, that I was going to say as well, is 
the fundamental way that devices actually work couldn't work if, if they, you banned copying. Can you say that again, ThistleWeb? Or I don't know if you cut out or if I just missed your point. I might be dumb. Yeah, no, I was just saying that um, if if you if, if politicians decided, for example, to ban a device from copying um, at the behest of the MPAA and RIA and whatever, it couldn't function because that's a very basic function of how a computer works, how a device works. The, the, the track itself, the data itself, is on your hard drive. It doesn't play from your hard drive. It makes it get a copy into RAM and goes through video, CPU, and whatever. It's a copy. It's in there. Yeah, it's for a, sure. It, it can't. It cannot. The computer cannot work without that basic process. So if you ban copying, the computer is dead. It's, it has no function. When you load a program, forget just songs. If you uh, uh, you load a program, it copies what it needs to into RAM so that you can use it. When you're finished with your document, you save it and you close it and it copies it back to the hard drive. It's, everything's a copy. And you cannot remove that for the process. And it's not just computers, that's devices, other devices as well. You just cannot separate that. It's impossible. May I make a constructive criticism here? And I'm asking because I, I wish for people not to take this as anything but constructive. You can try. Thanks, FSB. And by the way, welcome to the room. I, I've not been here all day, so I don't know if you have been. So mm -hmm. either welcome or welcome back. No, I just got here. Um, for the second year in a row, I'm in on my own on New Year's because I'm sick. So. Yeah, dude's got anal logger. You just couldn't picture it. Oh, God. Are you really going to keep rereading that? It's all that winter flows. I only read it once. I just remembered. Nah, it's <laughs> it's... Sorry, man. I'm always interrupting. Um, it's all those winter flows they get in the middle of winter. It's actually a nice day in the middle of summer here, so ha-ha. Yeah, I know. It's the time of year for it. FXB, you're such a floozy. But a Marcus, it must be really weird to see the, everything associated with Christmas is all from the, the, the Western world, where it tends to be cold and snowy and windy and and all that, and it must be really, really strange. I mean, I've thought this before, about imagine sitting, sitting on Bondi Beach in Australia on, on Christmas Day, and your trunk's on, and just with the heat blasting you. And that must be really, really strange, where all everything associated with Christmas and New Year is ice and stuff. I, I, that must be really strange. Oh, the hell it's strange, man. If I lived in the Southern Hemisphere, my Christmas tree would be a palm tree. Um, actually, uh, we we're used to it like that. We we only ever have good weather. Well, it's been a crappy summer actually, but we normally only ever have good weather during Christmas anyway. So it's always like like nice and sunny and New Year's and you know everyone's partying up, partying and stuff. And um, I think there was a big party in Gisborne, New Zealand yesterday. We were um, I think they had a festival and there was like eighty people arrested. So everyone's having fun at the moment. That's what happens in New Zealand and Australia, I guess. So you know. It's what happens in the night when you get nice weather. Uh, I can't imagine having New Year's and Christmas and, and cold and snowy and, and wet weather. <laughs> that would be awful. All right, so I'm going to jump in here with the point that I was trying to make. And I don't mean that I'm not pointing this at any one particular person because lots of people seem to do it, and I notice it happening more and more uh, on Mumble. But I've heard people say, I don't mean to interrupt. And then they continue talking as if they hadn't interrupted. Look, um, I don't mean to interrupt here, but, uh, hey, but, but uh, finish with your so saying. So what I was trying to... Yeah, sorry for interrupting. 
That's exactly it. I hear people say it all the time. I don't mean to interrupt, and then they continue talking. If you don't mean to interrupt, don't interrupt. That's all. It's my daughters do the same kind of thing when they go, no offense, but, and then they go on to offend people. So, I don't know. Just something to think about. Food for thought. There's a half-second lag in my book when you're on the southern hemisphere and miles away from the um, original server. And and it's hard for me because it's hard for me to get that gap when no one's actually talking. Because sometimes you sit this into me, you've got to wait for two people to stop talking, which is actually really difficult because you get that lag. It's going to be the next feature request for Mumble is perfectly synchronized push to talk. Yeah, I wasn't. I did not mean to point you out. I, I, I mean it. I promise. It I, just... I do interrupt though. I know that I actually. I'm trying really hard this year not to. So I'm actually something I'm aware of because I, I know I interrupted a lot last year, and it was a bad habit which I'm trying to get out of. Yeah, I, I think in fairness with Marcus, is there's a lot of lag on on his end, and not so much with the rest of us. But having said that, no one knows when someone's about to talk. We can't see each other. All, all we can say is, oh, if there's no one talking, I'll wait until people stop talking, and then I'll push, I'll start talking. And if two other people think the same and they've jumped on at the same time, well, <laughs> we jump on each other. <laughs> it's, it happens. I know what you mean. <laughs> it's all good. But, um, yeah, it happens, unfortunately. I actually oh. always wondered how they... Oh, I did it again. I actually always wondered how they did it in, pod, like, um, in radio, like, how they know when someone, someone else's tend to talk in radio because um, I mean um, uh, that must they don't tend to interrupt in radio so there must be a way that they um, it's your tend to speak your tend to speak when they have three or four co-hosts you know what I mean well if they're in the same room they can sort of put a, a finger up to say that I want to make a point um, and it's all non-verbal you don't see it as when you're listening you don't see that um, and then when one person stops talking the other one can start talking, and it's all uh, visual. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, it's extremely rare that there will be any kind of uh, multi-person discussion in radio where they're not all in the same studio. It. Well, I don't know. When, when I use Mumble, I'm always looking at the lips light up, and I thought everybody did that. And back in the beginning, it seemed like everybody did, but it doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem like everybody does anymore. See, I do that, that, but I wonder if it's just people who've forgotten to set up their push-to-talk buttons and don't have the threshold set properly. Yeah, I think it does, because I have press-to-talk on. So, But if you don't have press-to-talk on, uh, your lips will light up anyway when someone else is talking, so it's quite hard to figure out who's actually not talking and who is, and if it's your turn or not. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... Sorry, I look for the, the lips as well, but I mean, one of the things that I, I don't know, it must have been the, the people that I started talking to, on Mumble with, they said, oh, you've got to do this push to talk, it's sort of, it's almost like an etiquette thing, set up push to talk, because I wasn't used to that from Skype, and it took me quite a long time to get used to the whole push to talk thing, um, but once I have, it works, and especially when there's a lot of people in the same room, like, like tonight, um, it, it really does help. Yeah, I mean, talk. Push that's, the talk works really well. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was about to say. Those of us have used Mumble quite a lot before. I always just got in the habit of having Push to Talk set up, so. And do you, Sound Chaser, do you still see it as an etiquette thing? Because I've never thought of it as etiquette, but that's uh, a good way to think of it, I think. And you've been thinking about it that way for a while. Does it still work for you? I don't think I made that statement about etiquette. No, it was me that described it as that, but, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of the way I look at it. Sorry, I've been drinking quickly. 
I was going to say, man, how, how, how you ever confuse me and Thistleweb? That really kind of baffles my mind. Because your names are right above and below one another, and I must have just glanced as I was speaking. So my mistake. I apologize to everyone but the two of you. It's the accent, I'll tell you. It's the accent. I was, I was going to say, Thistleweb, how, when did I get your accent? I was trying to figure it out. Uh, the other way you can do it too, just in, I got a chance there. I was watching the lips. Um, is actually just mention someone's name and then they speak and then you mention someone else's name and that's one way you can do it in the podcast. Yeah, it used to be a habit of mine and I've I've gotten out of it because it felt like I was being rude, but maybe it, it isn't. But I, I used to, uh, you know, hit the push to talk while someone else was talking, but then not say anything just so that you know, it, it kind of like putting your hand up, like, may I speak next kind of thing. But then it felt like I was, you know, saying, hey, it's my turn next. F the rest of you. So I, I kind of stopped doing it. But maybe that is the way to do it. I don't know. No, dude, that, that's exactly the way I do it as well. I try to leave it off until I, until I can sense that they're coming to the end of their sentence. And then I'll do that. Exactly what you said. I'll, I'll push the, the push the talk button, let the lips light up, light up and not say anything. And that way they know that I'm, I'm not going to interrupt them, but I want to speak next. So I, I, I do that as well. It's really hard actually figuring out when people actually stop talking. And it's actually a really hard thing to figure out sometimes. We're all so friggin' long-winded. How do you sense that? I'd love to see if we could all like sync up with, with the push to talk and do like a little Mexican wave with the lips. <laughs> I don't know what a Mexican wave is, <laughs> and I'm kind of afraid to find out. Well, you know, it's like it, a Mexican wave is when you get a big crowd in a stadium or somewhere and they sort of, they sync up and they start at one end, stand up and sit down and it's like a wave as they go across. And I figure, I wonder if we could get the same thing going down the list of names with the lips. What, you call yeah. that a Mexican wave? I think I know what you want to do. Right, you want to, well, right, yeah. The, the Mexican he means wave. to have one, one does lips, then the next, then the next, then the next. Yeah, but, exactly. But in, in order and when it's meant to be done. Right, to give, give you an idea, the Mexican wave was, it was one of the, the things that came out of the Mexico World Cup in yeah. 86 or maybe 90, I think like that. I th no, I tell you 90, so it was in the 80s. Yeah, I think it was 86. It could have been, it might have been a year or two earlier, but yeah, I think I think that's the tournament. Yeah, well, anyway, hosted in, in Mexico, and the crowd, I don't know who invented it, but somewhere in the Hold crowd, on. Sorry, I, I have to interrupt here, so I'm going to... I, I know exactly what you're talking about now that you've described it, and I've known it my entire life, but we don't call it the Mexican wave here in the States. We just call it the wave. Well, no, that that was the reason why we call it the Mexican wave, and I think why most of the world call it the Mexican wave was because it became a feature of the World Cup in Mexico. Is it? It's got our fashion, hasn't it? Um, I, I mean, I, I noticed around sports events in New Zealand, it was huge about 10 years ago. Now no one does Mexican waves. Yeah, it, you don't see it too much anymore. It depends on the size of the stadium. I've, I've, uh, if a stadium yeah. is very rounded, it's easy to do because you can see when it's coming. But if you do it, like, they try it all the time at, at the racetrack that I go to, which has got about a half a mile back or half a mile straight away, and you can't do it down the straightaway because you can't see past the person next to you if it's straight. But if it was a round stadium, then it would be real easy to do. So that, that might have something to do with it as the stadium's growing. But, wow, what self-centered a-holes we Americans are that we won't even credit the Mexicans for it! Yeah, well, and it only, uh, it only uh, really look. works unless you've got a big crowd. When we don't call football football, we call it soccer. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, well, we, we, that's, we call it football, and what you do is called hand egg. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> sorry. They call, it, they call it football because the ball is in contact. Um, or sorry, the ball is in contact with the foot. Um, that tends and to be why it's called football. Foot. And only the football, yeah. Um, but when the ball is mostly in contact with the hand for most of the game, with the odd kicker here and there, shouldn't really call it football. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, our football really is uh, some kind of weird version of rugby, basically, it looks like. That's how I've always thought of it. It's rugby with battle armor on. Wait, do you well, yeah, really uh, call it hand horses. egg, or is, is it just you, FXB? No, quite a lot of people call it hand egg. Yeah, I've heard that but, before. But only, only, only in a joking sense, I mean. It's appropriate, well, it's hilarious. Well, the only people that can play rugby is New Zealand, so, I mean, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh, here we go. Freaking pommies. Wait, you don't say freaking either. What do you say? Pum- the bloody pommies. No, no, we don't. You know, the, the, I was watching an episode of Frasier the other night. I've been binging on Frasier and just the Mexican wave thing. I remember one of the episodes where he went to a, 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 I think it was a basketball game. They took Martin to a, a basketball game um, and Frasier was getting so excited at the most, mon- most mundane things in the crowd of the Mexican wave. And Frasier was, oh, 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 Dad, look, 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 the wave. <laughs> yes, right. He called it the wave, though. He didn't call it the Mexican wave, right? Did, did, did you pick? Did you notice that? I possibly did. Um, I possibly did. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is Fraser, though. Remember, this is Fraser. This is a guy that only understands high art. He doesn't understand anything else. So you can sort of understand that. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, seriously, hands up. Any other Americans in the room? Have you ever called it the the Mexican wave by an American? I don't even know where it actually started in the World Cup, which teams were involved, because it must have been, it must have started with two teams, you know, playing, and then this... No, no, it's just one team, started, it was a scrimmage. You know? <laughs> um, it must have started at some point, it might well have been America playing there if, if they qualify, I don't know, um, but all I know is it happened <laughs> at the Mexico World Cup between two of the teams, so, and you, how, the thing is... How does that type of thing get started? If you're in a crowd and you say, "Oh, hey guys, I've got I've got an idea. This is what we could do." How do you organise that on the fly with other fans to actually start it going? I mean, you're sitting sitting, sitting there, four or five of you, all on the edge of a row, all sitting one behind each other. Right? Okay, we'll get up and down at the same time, and then watch the next row get up, and then you do it, and the person next to you doesn't move. How do you get that started <laughs> to the point where, all oh, right, we get it now. Okay, so it goes right round. How do you get that started? How do you organise that? Well, okay. it's called Apple. What they do, they went around and marketed the whole thing to the crowd before it actually happened. There you go. There's a theory. Did they? Re- okay. Oh, that's just a theory. That's not, but not the for truth. Okay, Nothing I don't I believe I was there. No I don't believe I was. Anything. Sorry, um, um, my fault. Nothing. Sorry. That's right. Nothing. No one ever take anything I say is the truth because I normally just don't know what I'm talking about at all. Okay, not sure why I was the first one to do it, but I actually went to Wikipedia, and there it is called The Wave, but it's the first sentence um, known as the Mexican Wave in the Anglosphere outside of North America. <laughs> Wait a minute, Mexico's nice. part of North America. Nice. They don't even call it, like, they should call it Our Wave. Actually, people say you should read off Wikipedia, but Wikipedia is quite, quite an intelligent little, little place to go Wikipedia is excellent. I don't care what anybody says. But there are problems to... There can be problems. The uh, the XKCD uh, comic about how Wikipedia can go wrong is, is very, very good. Wikipedia always seems to be 
okay enough to me for like the Linux stuff and and what has for that. But yeah, yeah a lot of people say it, it has wrong information and so on. But what I've seen seems to be okay. It uh, has opinionated, got, uh, opinionated it's information. Got, yeah, it is. But I've actually got crucified when he used to read off the Wikipedia page on his videos a couple of years back. Wikipedia is a great place to start your research, not to finish it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. And it also depends on how much you care about the exact information being correct. Um, if you're looking up something and you just want a broad overview, then Wikipedia is absolutely amazing for that. It just condenses it all down. And if some of it is less than accurate, well, it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, but if it's something that really does matter, you've got to be accurate, then that is a good starting off point. It gives you a good grounding and you can sort of bounce off that. Yeah, exactly. You go to Wikipedia for the cliff notes and then you do your fact-checking elsewhere. Yes, absolutely. I keep trying to tell my daughter that. Build build your oh. uh, your your outline with the Wikipedia links at the very bottom of the page. I wouldn't use Wikipedia in any assignment at all, but yeah, if you want to get your... Um, I would be telling her that too, because to the teachers do not like Wikipedia links and <laughs> notes. But um, I, I think um, if you went, went and just got your information from there and then went got your source from somewhere else, you're fine. Well, another one I, I rather enjoy from time to time is Wikipedia, the Star Wars one. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's not an official uh, Wikipedia. It's Wikipedia. I'll type it in. I can't even say it, so I'll type it in. Uh, is that on a? Is that on? Is that? Is that on Wiki? No, it's a separate site, um, and it's oh, dedicated. Okay. It's dedicated to Star Wars, uh, all things Star Wars, uh, from the the graphic novels to the movies to the actors to the the plots to the characters, everything. Yeah, well, that's kind of neat. And it's a pretty much definitive sort of centralized source. It's like. Um, it's almost like all of the, all of the Star Wars geeks have, have, have gathered around this one place and decided to make this one place the, the definitive place to go. If you want to look up anything Star Wars related, that's the place you want to go to, is Wikipedia. Uh, apparently this new Star Wars movie is the most anticipated movie of 2015. I was reading that on, um, probably got it from a Wikipedia site today. Well, from what I can see, the trailer has, um, has sparked a lot of people. Now, I quite like the trailer, actually. Um, not too sure about the dude with the, the crucifix lightsaber, but, um, you know, it looks good. It looks good, and they can't do any worse than George Lucas. So, um, I'm here, fingers crossed. Ah, yeah, that, see, that... am I the only one that has zero interest in seeing it because now Disney owns the franchise? Yeah, you know, yeah. the top um, eight movies, uh, the top 20 were all Disney movies last year. That's all I think there's, with Star Wars though, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a self-confessed Star Wars fan, or I have been since I was knee-high to Yoda, um, so I'm probably biased in this, but I think there's a lot of anticipation that wasn't really fulfilled in the prequels, that people had bought into this, this universe, and they really wanted to be something really damn cool, and they got the, the finally the technology was there, all the CGI technology was there to be able to tell this really cool story, and we got the prequels. Um, and it just didn't quite deliver, but people are still they're still invested in this universe, and they want something that's going to that's going to satisfy that. And it looks like uh, the by the new trailer, it looks like things are are kind of they've got potential again. That could well be finally what we've been waiting for. But it's Disney. 
Yeah, they're doing some marketing too with their fucking crucifix. That's reverse marketing, getting people at, getting people's attention with something in a trailer and then having them talk about it. And so everyone wants to go and see it to see what the hell it's all about. It's something really, really minor in the trailer. True. The crucifix on the, on the light of it. That was quite yeah. brilliant, actually. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, the other trailer, actually, that seems to have been really well received is the new Mad Max trailer, uh, the, the fourth Mad Max movie. I don't know. That looks like the Borderlands start. <laughs> Borderlands 2. It's, in, it's intriguing, but... I don't know. Shelley's there on with a robot arm? Well, story-wise, story wise, the idea that um, water is going to be the, the next resource that's so scarce and that people fight over, that's that's pretty much... Um, yeah, that's, that's a good storyline. That's It's not really that novel because it looks like it could well be the case. Well, yeah, and it's... The, build, building around that is, is really good. It's it's a good general idea, but it has been a plot point of a lot of dystopian films. Well, you can't exactly... You can accuse Waterworld of a lot of things, but you can't accuse it of that. Mm. <laughs> New Zealand has plenty of water. We'll be fine. Just a bit over here. Be sweet. Um, I was going to say... Um, oh, the Star, well, Star Trek news. Um, I was reading something about... Um, the guy that played uh, Worf, apparently he's signed a contract or something, and it's all official, or apparently they're in production, or there's in semi-production of a new Star Trek series with him and, him and Char- charge of a starship. That should be interesting. And the next subtitle will be, How much lens flare can you stand? <laughs> How old is he now? He must be getting on. He must be 60s, wouldn't he? 50s at least. You know he was a Navy pilot before he started doing TNG? Oh, really? Michael Dorn? I didn't know that. Yep. So, on on a, an interesting segue then, what is the most bizarre fact you found out about some famous name that you never even thought would be possible around them? Auntie M is short for emigrant from from uh, uh, Wizard of Oz. Okay. It's um, not true at all. I, I made that up. I lied. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I was distracted. No, I was just thinking on that Michael Dorn being a pilot thing uh, before he did acting. One of the things that I found out this year that kind of blew my mind, I never I never knew that about the guy. You know George Orwell, the guy that wrote 1984? Yes, of course. One of my heroes. Right. So did you know that George Orwell used to, he actually went and he volunteered to go and fight in the Spanish Civil War from 1936 to 1939? No, I had no idea. Really? Yeah, really. That that was my that was my thoughts as well. He did a book called Homage to Catalonia. Uh, Catalonia is a, a part of Spain that they want their independence and whatever. But anyway, he went. He saw the rise of fascism and with Hitler and and, um, and Franco, or Franco in Spain uh, being aided by Hitler in Germany and Mussolini in Italy. He saw it as his duty to go and fight for the forces of democracy against the rise of fascism. And he went with lots of people from all over the world. Italians, Americans, Canadians, Germans, French, lots of people all went uh, and fought for the various factions in Spain against fascism um, during the Spanish Civil War. And he was just one of many internationalistas uh, that did that. And he did a whole book um, detailing his, essentially his tour of duty, and him going from town to town, and him on duty and not seeing much action and being totally confused. He went in completely single or simple-minded, thinking 
that it was a simple black and white thing. Then other times he'd be fighting against the communists and then he'd meet up in another town and you've got a band of communists that are on his side and he's totally confused, like, aren't they the bad guys? Oh no, they're our brothers. What? <laughs> they're meant to be the bad guys. <laughs> and he just got completely confused. <laughs> oh, I was completely incorrect about that, actually. Michael Dawn was not a pilot for the military. He is a private um, owner of several jet aircraft, though. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that kind of blew my mind about Orwell was that I think I think it was voluntary just to see what the experience was like. He chose to live as a down-and-out in both Paris and London. He did a story about that, and he actually lived that lifestyle um, where he could... He didn't have to um, to basically live homeless, but he did, to, to, to feel what that experience was like, to live with no food, having to go many, many days with no food, having to duck out in landlords because you couldn't pay the money, having to pawn various your last possessions just so that you could buy food and things like that. And I'm thinking, this this guy's this guy's nuts. I mean, it really. I mean, you talk about living the living the art. That's awesome. I always liked the guy for what he saw and predicted, but uh, man, he really went out of his way to be a human being, didn't he? Well, he was a very committed socialist, uh, very politically aware, very committed socialist. Um, and it was after that that I read Animal Farm. And, uh, have you read Animal Farm? Uh, I saw the cartoon. No, uh, that doesn't count. Wait, who's, Animal- who's user user? Yeah, that horror just movie in? horror movie called that? I'm sure there's a horror movie called that. No, Animal Farm isn't a horror movie. It's a it's a satire on um, Stalin and on communism. Um, when the sheep, not not the sheep, sorry, the pigs, um, take over the farm and they get the, the other farm animals to work essentially for the be- for the good of the farm, but it's not really for the good of the farm, it's for the good of the pigs. Um, you know, it's it's a whole satire on Stalin uh, and them keeping changing the rules and saying, oh, from one minute they say, well, supplies are going to be tight this season and whatever. And congratulations, comrades! We've we've made surplus on whatever, and it's really good, actually. It's really really good. Yeah, Animal Farm's well worth reading. I have a question about that. Maybe someone might know. Uh, in America, people like it started in like the hippie days. People started calling the police pigs, and I wonder if that's because of Animal Farm. I, I wasn't alive at the time, so I don't know where it came from. Is is that where it's from, or is it something else? Does anybody know? No, I think that started in the UK somewhere back when the Bow Street Runners were going. Yeah, because they do that here. They still call place pigs. If you get into the 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 real rough type of people here, they they still do that. The gangs still call the place pigs here. They don't have anything to do with that sort of things. Yeah, I think that predated Orwell um, by quite a bit. I don't know where its origins for, but I don't think that's Orwell. No, wait a minute. Predated him because he was. He wrote 1984 and 1948. So you're saying people were calling the police pigs before 1948? Well, yeah, but remember, at that point, up until like the 50s and the 60s, there was an awful lot of deference to your 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 elders and your betters and to those in the establishment. There's an awful lot of def- deference where the average person in the street wouldn't call a police officer by their first name. It would be officer. It would be constable. Um, you know, there's a lot of deference to your boss, to your father, to your mother, to that older generation. So I think a lot of that plays into it um, as well. It's not just it's not just any outside influence. 
Okay, now someone has to Wikipedia this. Yeah, the Wikipedia could be a good good thing for that. My cousin's a police officer. It should be nice. Ah, pig disambiguation. Maybe it'll be there. Yeah, that was just just the point. I mean, Orwell's a fascinating character. I I only kind of um I, I don't know what made me start looking into his Wikipedia thing and looking into at him as a person to find out what kind of guy he was. Um, when you when you actually sit and look at what he did in his lifestyle in his lifetime, it's like wow, <laughs> this this guy is he 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 walks the walk. He he when he's talking about a uh, satire on communism or whatever. He isn't just speaking from like a highfalutin place. He he is really right down there in in the gutter with the people who are right at the bottom of the food chain. You know, he he's he's loving it. So the first documented uh, use of the term "pigs for police" is actually in the Dictionary of Buckish Slang, University Wit and Pickpocket Eloquence, published in London in 1811. I'm wondering if the term has something to do with um, like pigs getting their, their snouts in the, in the trough and going where they're not wanted, like investigating things and asking questions and, and all that where they're not wanted, where they might uncover something. I wonder if that's where the term might be. It's like you're asking too many questions, you might get me get me caught and whatever. I wonder if that's like their snouts are, are where they're not wanted. Well, it appears that uh, it was first used as just a general derogatory term for people back in the 1600s. Yeah, that that predates Orwell a smidge, only like 300 years or something. I mean, what's a few hundred years between people? Yeah, yeah, he could have come back and done that. If I was a time traveler from the future, I'd go back in time and meet George Orwell and take him wherever he wanted to go. So I think he might have wanted to see them back then and dropped it off then. I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. There's some really interesting time travel pictures that people reckon people have travelled. I don't know if they're fake or not. Um, there's a picture of one guy in the 40s, and they reckon he, uh, he, he just the stuff that he was wearing in the black and white photo. It looks like he's from you know the modern times. Um, and there's some real famous photos that are around going around the internet with they reckon the time travellers, people talking on mobile phones in the 1930s and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I've heard that stuff. That's kind of neat. I, I don't think any of it's real, but it's it's fun to pretend it is. Yeah, I agree. I reckon time travel is actually possible now. Like they reckon they've actually defunct um, um, what's his name's theory on it. They reckon that his theory was you couldn't travel faster than light. But they reckon when you don't have to travel faster than light, you can just go through a wormhole and 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 bypass that um, to do and you know to do with um, time travel and stuff. So, you know. It should be, and who knows what's going to be invented in a hundred years' time? I mean, a hundred years ago, they were still going around in horse and carriages. So, I mean, Tra- I don't know. Traveling through a wormhole is one thing; uh, creating one and directing its other end is a whole nother thing. So, I'm, I'm not so sure I can buy into time travel, at least not backwards. Mm. And they reckon for- going backwards would be easier than going forwards, though, don't they? No, they said going forward's easier because all you have to do is approach the speed of light and slow down again and everyone else will have aged and you won't. Uh, there's been a couple of space movies, like sci-fi movies, um, going around with um, if you travel to another planet, planet that's 30, years, 30 light years away or 100 light years away um, and you get there in five or six years, by the time you get there, Earth would have aged 100 years or whatever it is. You, know, they would have, you would have missed a lot. You know, time would have gone by and you wouldn't even realise it on Earth. However, that works. I'm just waiting for somebody to create a grandfather paradox. 
What's the latest uh, DiCaprio movie? You'd be shocked. The latest what movie? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. What's that movie? Can I find it mm. on Wikipedia? I can't remember what the movie's called. Leonardo Del Crapio? That was him when he was playing The Wolf of Wall Street, was it? That's the latest one that I can think of. I know, he's done another one since, but I just can't remember what it is. It's a The Door to Grandfather Paradox thing. There was Inception, where everybody's grandfather wanted to kill him for making that movie, but I, I don't know, another <laughs> one. Are, are, we, uh, are we all familiar with the idea of the grandfather paradox? You go back in time and you you kill your grandfather and um, you, you aren't born, so there was no point. You, you didn't go back in time. That's the grandfather paradox, isn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. so he wasn't killed, so you were born. And you went and back in time and killed him. According yep. to Futurama, you can fix that by having sex with your grandmother. <laughs> Woohoo! Well, this DiCaprio movie, pretty much, that's sort of what happens. Peggy, was that a Futurama episode, or was that just you daydreaming? It was Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf, yeah, I remember that. I watched that episode. I was a big Red Dwarf fan. I love Red Dwarf. Americans are so good to Red Dwarf. Ah, uh, Rob or Ross. I love Red Dwarf. Uh-huh. Futurama has so many good little, um, just little one-liners that just crack you up. I uh, remember the one with Zoidberg and the Roswell incident. It's, um, Zoidberg is, is, they go back in time and uh, Zoidberg turns out to be the, the Roswell alien um, <laughs> and they set down like a trap uh, for for the alien um, and Zoidberg sort of sidles up and it's like a, a bit of roast chicken or something like that. And he grabs it and a cage comes down and he's like, oh, friends, I got you big trick me. That would be it... funny. I could imagine Zoidberg looking all confused about that. Is it bad that I find that more believable than Grey's? Or the, the other one where they're underwater and uh, Zoidberg buys a, um, he buys a shell to make a home <laughs> and he gets dressed up in a little house in the prairie <laughs> with a little bonnet and stuff like that. And then later on, there's a fire underwater. And Fry's like, how is that even possible? Like the house fire burns his shell down that's underwater. And does he breed chickens and sheep and raise horses? That's the one, yeah. That was that was a Red Dwarf reference. Uh, oh, it was bizarre. I've not seen Futurama in ages. I remember the... Shell missed a lot whole last series that they've been able to back on we watched it. One of the better ones was the um, the whole take on iTunes, the E-Y-E, and the iPhone or the iPad or something like that, and it's actually a chip that gets placed in behind the eye. <laughs> oh, God, don't give Apple ideas. They, they take everything off TV shows. They'll be, they'll be doing that news. Well, you know, they nicked the idea of the iPad from Star Trek TNG, so... The last thing I read about the, um, what Apple were doing was an iPen, believe it or not. They actually store everything you're writing in the pen, and um, it would it can write on tablets, and write on normal paper, and so it just it, everything would be stored in the pen, and it'd be all that's what they've just patented or come up with or something, I believe. Oh, I thought it was just a pen you were supposed to stab yourself in the eye with if you thought about buying an <laughs> Apple product. <laughs> get to upgrade it to the next one, of course, to get more features. Probably have to buy well, ink, I, I, iPhone ink, ink or something. Well, and you got two eyes, so. Yeah, the upgrade is the one that comes with a new added feature. There's a little clicker at the top that brings the, the nib down. And speaking of, like, celebrities and whatnot and their interesting lives, um, James Lipton, the Inside the Actors Studio guy, he, I want to say he was back in, like, the 50s or something in France. He was a legit pimp. It's what he did. 
And in the 80s, he also wrote the theme to a cartoon, and that cartoon was Thundercats. Oh, so good. That explains so much. Thinking of sad news, um, uh, the the person that did the Rugrats, uh, Rugrats, and someone else died yesterday. Um, the cartoon voice. Yeah, she, was it actually she? Yeah, she was only fifty-one. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a, there's quite a lot of female voice actors that do sort of children and quite high-pitched creatures, but it was it was kind of. She was one of these people whose her name wasn't well known, but she'd done very many well known characters. She was the voice of um, Chucky from the Rugrats, Dexter, Babe from the you mean Babe Christine movies. Cavanaugh? That's she's the that's the one, yeah. I'll give you a bizarre, um, famous voice, but not so famous face uh, reference that I spotted. Um, I was checking out um, Battlestar Galactica, the original, what, 1978, 1980, um, with the cheesier, cheesier ones. And in one of the episodes, a double episode in the second series, um, there was a, a character, they picked the Cylon up um, on what, the highway or something, in the car, really bizarre. The driver, and I'm sitting thinking, I know that voice. Where, where do I know that voice? And I'm looking at the guy, the driver, the actor playing the driver, and I'm I don't recognise the face at all. And then it occurred to me, that's the voice of Kit from Knight Rider. That's the guy that does ah. that, plays, that plays the voice of, of Kit. And I'm used to him as a, dis, a disconnected voice, just with the, um, with the red light flashing back and forth, um, and the computer stuff on the dashboard. But that's Kit. And I'm thinking, that's bizarre. I've never seen this guy's face before. <laughs> but that's him. <laughs> he, he's Kit. It's funny how, you, how they, they can't get... Um, jobs as actors, because people just get used to their voice. Well, in that case, um, actually, Glenn Larson, I think, was the guy behind Knight Rider as well, uh, and it was him that did um, Battlestar Galactica. Apparently, he was known as Glenn Larsony. Um, he was a guy who, he would take whatever was popular, and then he would basically just steal it, and just make some version of it, and then pump it out as a really popular TV show. Americans um, do that all the time. Oh, he was he was really well known for it, really bad for it. Apparently, um, so I don't know how true this is, but um, apparently J- James Garner on the set of uh, Rockford Files um, found Glenn Larson in his in his trailer rifling through scripts for the Rockford Files, <laughs> and he had to knock the he had to punch the guy and knock him out, throw him out the <laughs> out of his trailer <laughs> because he was trying to steal script directly from the Rockford Files. Apparently, um, this libertarians, uh, librarians, or whatever it's called, uh, I saw the first episode. And went, that is a straight copy of Warehouse. Th- um, uh, what was it? Warehouse Thirteen, whatever it was called. Straight, did a dead copy. I'm going. Uh, I'm not watching it. Well, <laughs> that was it. The, Ten minutes of it. Well, Battlestar Galactica. They tried to get that that um, done in 1976, and they were turned down flat. No one wanted to do it. And then Star Wars hit in 77, and everyone wanted their own space opera. And the, the, back on the thing, 1977, right off the back of that, um, they got the season uh, for Battlestar Galactica. So that was a direct uh, jumping on the success of Star Wars to get that done. That might be what's happening with Star Trek. Like Everyone thought Star Trek was dead. Well, not Star Trek, but the Star Trek series would be dead. Like, no one would really want to do another one, but apparently because of... Um the success of the movies and the success of um, Star Wars again, I think they're looking at doing another series again. On on that note, actually, what I quite like to see, uh, not quite like to see, I, I do like to see, 
is any any TV series that has like big long story arcs, when they eventually come to a close, when the networks eventually say, right, we're not doing it anymore, um, they at least give them time, give them four or five episodes notice so that they can close the story out of the series. Yeah, I agree with that. By the way, Doctor Who has been pissing me off this year, and I've been a huge fan of Doctor Who. I do not like the new Doctor. It's more the cast. I think the cast just don't get on. And you can see it when they act. They, they, they're not the best of friends, or there's something going on in the background. And, there's, and the writing is all over the place this year. It's like they tried to make it for kids, and they've lost the current audience, and the kids don't understand what's happening, and it's like... Oh, it's like, I just got really annoyed with the Doctor Who this year. Just can't couldn't I, get into any of the episodes at all. I gotta admit, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I think the writing was all over the place and just really bad. And I think that's made it really hard for the actors to actually pull things together. They don't finish anything. Like, they just, they leave it. Uh, maybe Moffat's thinking, oh, I'm going to leave this for a future episode. They don't actually finish the storyline. And that's what's happening. There's no finish to it. And it's like, well, you can't have a, and they do a standalone episode, like the next episode, which makes no sense to what they're doing with the the current storyline. And you're going, this doesn't make any sense. Like, there's just nothing happening in the storyline. The Christmas special was horrible. I think it was. So, so, so they get you all worked up and don't finish you off. There's a joke in there. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> me off. I could write better storylines than Moffat at the moment. I misspell everything. Glad he's leaving the show. I actually would. I actually thought they might have cancelled it this year. I, 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 I'm surprised that we're coming back for a second season. Honestly, for another, another go at it. I mean, the guy has got to be close to running out of ideas. Yeah, it's clashing just... with a lot of the old stuff too, and what he's doing, and that's annoying me because I watched all the old stuff. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense in the current series. Like, he's messing with the history. I, they need to revamp like what Star Trek did. Um, I, I, I don't like Doctor Who. I've got issues with the fact that it's paid for by an extortion racket. But anyway, I don't I don't watch Doctor Who. What I did see, though, is... Have you seen a, a movie? I think it might be a TV movie called Adventures in Space and Time. It's a bell. I don't think I've seen it, though. Yeah, it's, um, it's about getting Doctor Who off the ground. And then the guy that played the first Doctor, obviously it's all fictionalised... Um, but I thought that was actually quite interesting. The, the old guy that they got to, to play him initially was really cantankerous and whatever. I just thought that was, that was really interesting as they sort of conceived the, the concept of Doctor Who and tried to get it greenlit and, and managed to do their first show and it looked really hokey in the sets and things like that. And yeah, I thought that was quite interesting, actually. I don't, I don't like Doctor Who, but I thought that was quite interesting. I've got to say this now, there has not been a decent Doctor Who since Sylvester McCoy. Really? I, I didn't like him at all. I well, then you're that, wrong. That, uh, my, my brain finished that sentence slightly different. And, uh, my brain finished it as, there's not been a decent Doctor Who since Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be a nah. good Doctor Who. I should make him Doctor Who. He'd be quite... He'd, he'd, I mean, he's probably after work. work that, would, that would get the pandas in. Thistleweb. I'll give you the fight. You give me the fight. I'll go. No, no, fight. no. See, Thistleweb, if you remember back in... Already... Yes, Oh yeah, no, I'm using a wireless keyboard and it keeps barfing on me. No, if if you think back to 1996, Sylve- uh, Sylvester Stallone already made a mockery of a great British institution. Only the one. Maybe, maybe you, 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 you need to be more specific. Only one. Judge Dredd. 
Yeah, that was an awful movie, actually. I, I, watched, I, I used to read those comics, the comics. That was actually quite bad. The best it comic was awful. To redone, best comic redone to a TV series, Walking Dead. Mm, possibly. Mm. Actually, my wife, actually, um, I, I really thought she'd hate the show, but um, she, we, we, we actually get Walking Dead pretty much the same day now, um, as the US do. And uh, she started watching the fifth season, which is this current season. She didn't know any of the characters, nothing. She watched the one, um, actually just saw that guy that played Paid Price in another TV show on Prim Lines, actually, playing a part. It was quite interesting. Um, she, she saw him, and she, that was the first episode she watched of Walking Dead. I knew none, none of the bad stuff, none of the bad stories, and she was hooked. That was it. I like, why haven't I watched the show? But there you go. You don't just quite like how they've actually done that. Right. Uh, this brings me to another sort of uh, another segue and another subject that's kind of techy again, since this is a reasonably techy type thing. Is the idea that the the whole concept between behind if a, if a company makes a TV show, think Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or whatever, they build the hype and all around the world. They they want to market it all around the world, every every single time zone, every every country, every language. They want to market it everywhere. So they build this hype around uh, a product, around Game of Thrones or Walking Dead or whatever, and then they turn around and say to most of the world, oh, but you can't get it now. You'll need to wait four weeks or six months or a year before you can get it. They build this hype, they build the anticipation, and then refuse to sell most of the people the product. And then they wonder why people say, you know what, stuff you. If you're not going to sell us the product, I'm happy to pay for it. If you're not going to give me the ability to pay for this product, I'm going to go and get it illegally. I'm going to go and get it from the Pirate Bay or whatever. I'm going to get it on a streaming service or whatever. And they complain that they build the anticipation, they build the hype, they build the communities, and then they wonder why people who they refuse to sell it to get it elsewhere and don't wait. Well, I think that has a, that are, are effect on, this, on people watching the show anyway. I mean, I watched, uh, I mean, I, I must admit, I'm, I'm not, not that I download anything illegally, but I watched the Game of Thrones all at once last year, and I hadn't watched one episode. I thought, uh, there's a couple of shows that I'd like to wait, wait to see how they go. I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't get caught up in the hype, and I just watched all the way through it. Like, I watched pretty much all four seasons, whatever it was, all the way through. I really got into it. Like, um, but I wouldn't have done that normally. Like, I don't think I would have got into the show by watching the series on TV. Like, I pretty much just caught up with the hype and went there, sit watching the whole lot, see what the hype's about, and I'll make my own decision. You know what I mean? Now I'm hot, so now I'm well, watching the, it on the, TV. The thing, thing is, though, that if you're building in, building up a, a worldwide fan base, not just a countrywide, a worldwide fan base, so Game of Thrones, for example, I've, I've read the books, I've never never seen any of the, any, any TV episodes, um, but people all around the world uh, hooking into the same thing. They all want. They all know the characters. They've all got their favourite characters and their, their favourite scenes and their favourite different bits and pieces. And all oh, want to see such and such. Or oh, wasn't such and such cool. These are worldwide forums, and you cannot possibly expect people from other countries to be in there with people of like mind. Their fellow fans. Their fellow geeks. The people that they they like to converse with. They like to chat with. Talking about the things that they all love. You cannot expect them to say, oh, the, the, my friends in America are going to see this six months ahead of me. Oh, I'll just wait six months before I can reply so that, to, to see what it is they've, they're actually talking about. You can't possibly expect that. Hey, um, we're coming I up think, to another uh, time zone. 
I think Doctor Who of all TV series is one of the shows that shows that the best. Yeah, and in the age of the internet, there's no reason why it should not be a simultaneous worldwide release, um, or at least on the same day. I mean, if you're talking about a TV show, it fits into a time slot to say, I don't know, 10, uh, 10 p.m. at night. You can't possibly put it on at 10 p.m. in America, and one, one time zone in America, uh, Eastern time or whatever, and then expect it to be exactly the same time in Australia, because it's going to be in the middle of the morning in Australia, and it's going to be watershed issues and whatever. So within the same day, there's no reason why it should not be anything more than at least the same day release. They've got they've got everything in place to do that. There's no reason why they shouldn't do that. Well, I think um, in the case of Doctor Who, it runs into potential more complications because of uh, the licensing issues in England. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I would think that throws a complication in you know rebroadcasting Doctor Who to other parts of the world. But maybe I'm mistaken. Hold the thought, because um, we've got, uh, right now to say, Happy New Year to the United Kingdom, London, Casablanca, Dublin, Lisbon, and 24 more locations. Happy New Year! Hey. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy Who Year! A bit slow, but uh, yay! Yeah. Um, yeah, no, with, with the BBC... It is funded by the extortion racket, funded by the British people, that is true. However, the fact that they license it to other countries shows that they can do it. They just don't want to. Show, I mean, what, what's the difference? If you're going to say, right, I'm going to make this program and then sell it in America, through BBC America or whatever, sell it to Australia or New Zealand or India or South Africa or whatever, what, where's the difference in making it a same-day release? It's, it's the exact same thing. Um, yeah, I don't see the difference. They're doing it more and more here now. Like we, I think we did get Doctor Who on the same day for the uh, last two years for the Christmas special, and they are, there's a couple of other shows that they're doing that with. So it depends on how popular they are. Also, too, I think they're a bit worried about pirating, so it's easier for them now to screen it on the same day. Um, so um, you know, three four hours later than it is. Um, you know, um, so people don't pirate as much. I, I, to be honest, I don't think I've downloaded too much stuff illegally all in the last six months because I haven't really needed to um, download music or download anything online to watch. I've never downloaded anything illegally. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. For the record. So I've never, actually, I've rephrased that. I've never done that either. <laughs> you know what would be a fantastic app for, I don't know, something like... Uh, uh, my brain's gone blank, a media centre, something like that, would be a fantastic app, and no doubt this probably exists, and I just don't know it, um, is something that when you're watching a TV show, and you, you could press a button, and it'll tell you what song is playing at that particular time in the tune, uh, in, in the programme. Because I've been binge-watching Dawson's Creek, and I like a lot of the music in that, and I don't know who, who a lot of it is. You know? So... Um, yeah, there, there's but, there's a phone app that you can actually hold your phone up to the speakers and actually get what the song is. Yeah, it's called Kazam. Yeah, there's I know several, that, aren't there? I, I, I know that, oh, yeah. but I mean, what what I'm talking about is if there was a, a a plug-in for a media center thing where you could actually just press a button and it'll show you um, without you having to do all that. It'll just tell the, you what the tune is by 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 that artist, you know. That 
that was available as a feature on some cable networks for a while, but actually they stopped doing it because it wasn't getting used enough. Actually, it's a screencaster, isn't it? That's a screencaster I use sometimes on Linux. I was going to say, if the app... Yeah. Same name, different thing. Uh, Anyway, I don't use it much anymore. I use Simple Screen Recorder, so everyone knows. I was going to say, if the app got... If the app got popular enough, they would give you a button for it, but it, it doesn't sound like a very popular feature. You must, I'm sure there's some iPhone apps that do that on iPhone. I'm pretty sure there's some other stuff that do, that do it where the, you can you can download a mo- well, watch a movie, uh, use the app, and actually pick out what songs actually been playing on it. I'm pretty sure they can do that somewhere. Face it, though, we're Linux users. We kind of our thing is kind of being smart enough to want things that most people don't want. Yeah, You're working that, the that, year graphics driver. Yeah, that that is true actually. Um, I think even that. Um, the only time I've ever felt compelled that 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 would be a cool feature is when I've been binge watching Dawson's Creek because, as I say, I like a lot of the music. I like where all their themes and their music. Um, not all the music, but a lot of it I do. But other than that, that feature wouldn't never even occur to me, <laughs> and I probably wouldn't use it other than Dawson's Creek. So, yeah. <laughs> Here you guys go, I just posted a link to the smart pen that's been patented by Apple. Smart pens. New thing. What happened to the smart watch? Did that work or not? I don't know. I'm, I'm lost. I, I sort of lost track of that. There's, there's, there's a joke they missed in there. Smart pen is patented by Apple. Um, and it, okay. Visual joke. I never play music. You could probably create a smart pen that plays music. That'd be quite handy. Uh, there's already a pen out there that will play music. Uh, play games though. Maybe you could, the pen could auto write write it across the web for you. Maybe what would happen? You could play like noughts and crosses, and you could play. You know, you could put the X in, and what happened? The pen would just decide where the where the where the circle goes. You know, the the killer app for an Apple pen would be iComposer, where you play the part of a composer in front of an orchestra. You know, with the pen and pointing at random things and just waving your arms about and pointing. That should be a Wii game. And for those of us in North America, knots and crosses is tic-tac-toe. Definitely. Actually, we got a Wii. We bought a Wii. That was a freaking stupid phase. We bought a Wii two, three years ago. It's still in our room. We've used it once. We can't sell it. Like, what's the point? It's not worth anything. Yeah, my my parents got a a Wii um, for their place in Florida. And I think it's more to do with some keep fit, just some dancing and sport, and just things just to keep them active, um, rather than anything else. I mean, they are not gamers, they are so not gamers. <laughs> but it's just something enjoyable to keep fit, you know? I, I never used the Wii much, but I found tons of fun stuff to do with the Wii remote when I hooked it up to my desktop machine. Yeah, I thought about that. I don't, I don't know how I'd do it, though. Because it's got a different um, There are actually kernel-level drivers, I think. The back's different. How would you plug it into... You can't plug it into a USB port. You'd need a proper connector thing. It's Bluetooth. No, it runs over Bluetooth. I didn't know that. Oh, I should have a look. We've got one there. Yeah, it just... It requires a different... The only thing is it... It 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 registers as a HID device over Bluetooth, but it has a... Um, it sends a few different types of data. You've got the motion data. You've got the data from the infrared camera... And they all run kind of differently to a head device, but other than that, it's fairly easy to do. Uh, th- th- this this will be one of those um, 
it looks kind of the same and it works kind of the same, but it's very heavily proprietary and modified. And the whole no, 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 the it's, it, no, no, no. People basically, when when they when people figured out it was a Bluetooth device and it registered as a head device, they just sniffed the they just sniffed the traffic and found all this, the data it was spitting out. And now there's a kernel level driver for it. Has anybody? Um, used a like a PlayStation Three controller with Linux because those are Bluetooth too, aren't they? Yes, they there are fairly easy to build drivers for those as well, and the and the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty controller too. Actually, that was that was a fun one recently. The uh, did you guys hear about? I don't know if you, any of you guys listen to much about indie games. No, I'm reading some stuff about that. It's something to do with GOG in it. Uh, isn't they going bright no, or no, 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 no. We're, we're listening now, FXB. Go on. Okay. No, basically, there's a bunch of guys came up with a, a goofy game called Johann Sebastian Joust. And it uses the PlayStation Move controller, which is the, the motion controller for the, the PS3. That's um, the one with the ball in the end, right? Yeah, exactly. Does, but, does that have motion sensors in it? I thought that was all camera recognized, like motion tracking. No, no, it's like the Wiimote. It's a bit of both. You have a camera that tracks the the lit ball, but there are, there are also motion sensors inside the device. Okay. And and the, this is where it gets funny. They decided to do they decided to do a wide release of this game. It basically it, it plays music from a machine and you have a number of these controllers hooked up to it and the pace of the music determines how fast people holding the controllers can move and they can jostle each other to try and win the game but the the problem was you still had to have these wireless motion controllers connected over bluetooth and the developers found that they could build working versions of this game for the original was built on a mac and they found they could build a working version for Linux, but they got told by a Microsoft engineer because the Bluetooth support under under Windows is so shonky, they, they'd never be able to build a working version under Windows. I've never heard the word shonky, but uh, it it's perfect for your use it, case. It's, it's an engineering term. Oh, right on then, so there's math. Yeah, it's, it's like that highly technical term when you, when you look at something and say... That's buggered. Yep. You divide by zero and it gets shonky. I just I just love the fact these guys were trying to build versions of this game for every platform and they got outright told by a Microsoft engineer this won't work under Windows. I'm guessing they were told that by a very disappointed Windows engineer. Probably. Because oh, or a very honest one, sorry. Oh yeah, but it's 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 fairly well known that the the Bluetooth support under Windows is basic at best, and it can it can handle hid devices like a keyboard or a mouse, and it can handle audio devices just. But if you're trying to pump in lots of different types of data via Bluetooth, it ain't gonna work. Right. Sound wise, is that any better? Yeah, you sound fine, man. Wow, Lord D's in the chat asking if his uh, audio is okay, and yeah, you sound fantastic, man. Last time I heard you, anyway. And by the way, good to hear from you. It's been a while. Oh, that reminds me, Lord D. I, I don't actually. Sorry, I, I don't actually log into Google very often. So I saw your uh, message on Google Plus. I don't. I very, very, rarely use Google now. Google Plus. So, um, hi. Hey. Uh, yeah, it's 
haven't talked to a lot of people over the last year, it seems like, you know, with everything I've been dealing with. It's been quite a year. Yeah, man. Same here. Different reasons, of course, but same thing. I feel like I've been way out of and I have been way out of the loop. Hey, I'm I'm the worst for it. I've got I've got no real excuses, so how you so doing now? far out, it's not a loop. Hey, kittentographer, your connection stayed up. <laughs> well, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not on the pie anymore. I may not sound like I'm talking through a, what was it that Brom said? It sounded like I was talking through a raspberry pie. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't talking about the, the piece of electronic, electronic equipment. He was talking about the piece of cake. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, just to make it a you know quick story for everyone, uh, I started out the year with a nine and a half centimeter tumor in my abdomen and two in my esophagus, and was uh, diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer. At this point, the uh, two in my esophagus are gone, and the one that was nine and a half centimeters is down to three and a half centimeters. I'm not on active chemo anymore. They just have me on a maintenance routine now. And even that still kind of kicks my butt from time to time. Well, that's a downer. But, um, seem to be on the mend, at least. Hey, it's an upper from where I'm sitting. My dad died of esophageal cancer, so I'm I'm glad to hear that you're uh, making it through it. Wow, I uh, did not know that's what uh, got your father, Pokey. I, uh, yeah, I'm in really good shape, pretty much, but uh, a lot of weird issues that I'm going to have to, you know, deal with and one of the you know hardest things that i got told earlier this year was uh the state i'm in right now is probably about as good as it's gonna get i kind of misunderstood the doctor very early in the year and thought remission might be a possibility but uh nope i'm never gonna see remission oh no really dude i'm sorry yeah that's that was kind of uh you know after almost a year thinking hey I'm heading towards remission for the doctor to kind of tell me that was kind of took the wind out of my sails that day pretty hard. Time for a second opinion, if you ask me. Yeah, there's uh, there are second opinions. Have you um have you read Brian uh, Bishop's book? Uh, no, I have not. Would you uh, send me you know the name of that book over in chat or something here in a little bit, Pogi? Yeah, I sure will. I don't know if you know Brian Bishop. He's uh, Bald Brian on the Adam Carolla Show. And he, I, I will not remember the name of the particular cancer he had, but it's something in the, towards the base of the brain. And he fought it. And I think he's been fighting it for five years and it went into re remission. But, um, you know, it took experimental drugs and, and prayer and support and, uh, positive attitude and and it was a battle and he's still battling it and he'll never stop battling it but it um from from all accounts his his book is very positive and and definitely definitely worth reading uh if if you're facing such a thing or know someone who is uh, sorry for the the plug it, it wasn't meant to be oh man all information's good information and you'll have to forgive him for spelling brian with a y the way I, I kind of look at these things is the older you get, where you've never really, where you've been lucky health-wise and you haven't had anything really serious, it's almost like it's storing it up for you. You're going to get hit with something, um, and something's going to hit you. And uh, 
yeah, it happens. The older you are, the more you, more chances are your lottery ticket's going to come up. Yeah, and um, yeah, with how I'm doing now, I think I'm uh, kind of I'm submitted to talk to uh, Southern California Linux Expo and haven't heard back yet, but neither have a lot of people. I'm kind of hoping to hear that uh, I got my talk accepted and I've been running a GoFundMe campaign, which is doing fairly well right now to try to get the funds together to be able to afford to make the trip out to that conference in February. It uh, actually kind of was really disappointing that I missed... um, being able to go to Ohio Linux Fest because it was right in the middle of one of my chemo cycles and I just was not feeling up to it physically to go. Uh, hey, Lord D, I just posted the uh, the name of that book and the author in our chat there. Would you mind posting us a link to your um, your crowdfunding page? I'll stick that in the show notes if you don't mind. Yeah, I've been really, really um, surprised with how much support I've gotten on this so far. I'm up to $775, I think, and i um, really, really grateful to the first person who donated. Since they donated anonymously, I will uh, leave them at that, but I've gotten a lot of, you know, like $100 donations, and it's just flattered me to see, you know, the kind of support I've been getting on that and just from the whole community through all of this. And which uh, Linux Fest is it you're trying to get to? Well, I'm sorry, I'm typing in here as you're speaking. The Southern California Linux Expo, a.k.a. Scale. Oh, and I'm going to come over to all Starstruck. Cloth is coming on soon. And I really haven't explained it on the GoFundMe too well as to why I'm asking for the amount I am, but just for plane ticket and hotel room alone, we're talking almost a thousand dollars. So, just kind of from what I've learned from you know talking to some people who've run go, uh, crowdfunding campaigns before, always better to ask for a little more than your goal, and you know plus because you know fees eat up into that pretty quickly sometimes. And well, I'd like to have a little bit of money to eat on while I'm out there. Sorry to. Uh to jump, join in the uh, conversation without kind of really listening to what everyone was talking about before, but uh, I just uh, wanted to join you guys and uh, wish you a happy new year from the UK. Right on. Welcome, John the Nice Guy. Thanks for everything, man. Thanks for uh, <clears throat> all the music and, and stuff. My my, uh, my um, MP3 player and, and the uh, 32 gigabyte uh, micro SD card that's plugged into it is full because of you. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I, I I do hope to uh, I do hope that you're enjoying most of the stuff that comes in on there. <laughs> and, oh no, and hardly some of any it's not of it, exactly but... my music. Yeah, no, no, hardly. I enjoy hardly any of it. But what I do enjoy, I enjoy a whole lot. But that's just the the nature of a random, you know, uh, aggregation type of a of a thing for music. Yeah, sure. No, I understand that. I understand that. But uh, yeah, I just thought, you know, I've uh, just uh, come in from, from the porch, seen all the fireworks going off and thought, you know what? I need to come and say hi, guys, to the, say hi to the guys from Hacker Public Radio. So uh, yes, it's uh, it's my, my annual stick my head in, say hi, and then uh, go forth and be fruitful again for for another 364 and a bit days. Awesome. Awesome. Um 
sorry, uh, Lord Dragonblood, I just posted a link to the Etherpad page, and I kind of typed in a little, but probably not uh, done the, the job that I that should be done for your for your uh, fundraising there. If you want to, because I'm I'm afraid of you know saying the wrong thing, getting it wrong. But if you wouldn't mind just editing what I put there just a little bit, uh, I'd appreciate that. And I'm sure other people might as well. Yeah, it's uh, going to have to be a little later. I'm on my phone right now, and I don't have any of my uh, laptops out and powered up right now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Thanks, man. Well, I, I tell you, my battery died on my phone about the time uh, Ken was talking about the right to be forgotten this afternoon. And I left it plugged in in the van, and so at least I was able to hear you guys heading back into town. And, you know, I got really encouraged because you guys were talking about Doctor Who, and then there's, you know, uh, look, look like all my favorite people who I haven't gotten to talk to in a, in a while are here. I was FXB and Handsome Pirate and, and uh, Pokey. Of course, I haven't talked to Pokey since the last time I was on a book club. Hey, 50. And hey, 50. Uh, John, welcome. Thank you very much. Hey, hey, 51. How's it going? Oh, let's not forget Lord D. Yeah. Uh, oh, everything worked out a little. You know, I had a little snag. I didn't get back as, as soon as I expected to this this evening. But, uh, you know, er, er, everything worked out in the end. So I'm not uh, too dis terribly disappointed with my progress today. You were talking about people that you hadn't seen in a while and hadn't talked to and everything. Uh I just got an update from uh, Klaatu's better half. He'll be on the show. Yeah, they were saying that earlier. It's funny because you were mentioning before about how uh, how you were listening before um, when your battery died whilst you were listening to Ken's right to be forgotten thing. I was listening on the uh, the feed at the same time and uh, sort of had to drop off to get various other bits and pieces sorted out. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird, this timing coincidental thing. Random number theory is really fun when they interact. Tell you what's weird. I've been on here for quite a while and I haven't sworn yet, I don't think. I'm trying not to. I'm really trying. <laughs> I've so, I, far, so far I'm winning. I was seriously going to ask if you were going for a record. So far I'm winning, dude. I'm winning. It's all it's all about context. I, I don't habitually swear, but um, in my own podcast I reserve the right to swear. Um, and I make it clear up front. It's not safe for work. Um, but I'm, I'm consciously aware that this is supposed to be a family-friendly thing, so I'm really trying not to swear, and so far I'm winning. Uh, I don't know, I swore from my uh, two-year-old nephew used to... I can't really care for around kids, I feel horrible. Did your sister smack you? My sister-in-law nearly did, though. <laughs> what I'm would love to see sometime, uh, Thistleweb, is someone to go back onto some older shows and do a... Uh, Swearing per drink uh, measurement on you to see, you know, how much your swearing ramps <laughs> up with how much you drink. They they did I, that. I, it's parabolic. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm that bad. In fairness, I don't think I'm that bad. Although actually, the the one HPR thing that I was really embarrassed about later on was the whole Nautilus and split pains thing. I did not have any clue that I was rambling on so long. I only became aware afterwards after all the fact and. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> I wish that hadn't happened. I thought it was just a quick discussion. Oh god, I do too. This so have I lost patience with that before anybody. Yeah, it turn, turns out it lasted a lot longer than I thought it did. <laughs> so I, I, I apologise the year after that for that. So I was aware that yeah, that didn't that didn't go down well. I you know what? I, sorry, man. Having said that, I stand by my point. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. No, it's funny too because I don't know if it was before or after that. I'm pretty sure it was after that. I went ahead and got. At least that drunk on a on a, an episode of a another show which we we dare not name in public and did the exact same thing and I was so embarrassed about it. Yeah, that's life, wasn't it? Um, every now and again, you make a complete doofus of yourself. Um, and see there again, I did I did this swear, I did this swear. I was going to swear, but I didn't swear. You see that? <laughs> I, I didn't swear. Um, every now and again, that happens. <laughs> hey, that's life. <laughs> I don't suppose anyone remembers the dr- the drinking game I came up with last year. <laughs> I've done pretty well with not cursing. I'm I'm kind of proud of myself. No, it was the which one was the drinking game? Now I forget. Okay, there's this site called Linux.fm, and it's basically a, an audio stream of eSpeak reading out the the kernel source code, including the comments. Oh, and so um, the comments. You can find word counts of the comments in the Linux kernel source that they're fairly colourful language. That's and cute, so every time it comes across a swear, you have a drink. Ah, well, no, here, here's where the rules get a little more complex. Every time you swear, you take a sip. Well, it's not, not every time you swear, it's every time you hear it swearing. Just, yeah, just, uh, just but, but if the comment is by Linus, you take a shot. That's not too bad. I mean, for yeah, rules, well, the rules are pretty good. To you can remember them while you're drunk. That's easy enough. See, if, you, the, the, if you happen well, to catch the street, the stream when it's going to, through some of the user level stuff, it gets a bit tricky, and you might actually run out of drink. Well, isn't there a problem there? Because the word Linux and the word Linux sounds very similar. So by the time you get a bit bevied, um, you can quite easily just hear the word Linux and think, "Oh, that's Linux." Oh, but, oh damn, I need to take a shot. Is that well, get even it, worse? It is play at your own risk. Well, if the e-reader is American, we pronounce his name Linus, you know, like on the, the peanuts, so you, you could probably keep them separated, okay? On on the what? How, oh, oh, right, peanuts. All oh, right, sorry. I, thought, I heard something else there. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I could heard... quickly see that becoming a game that not even Thistleweb's liver could uh, live through. <laughs> it has taken practice. Yeah, it depends on the segment of code, I guess. Well, that's just it. That that stream reads out the source every time there's a new version. You know, on on that, you know, the thing that really confused the hell out of me when I when I first moved over to Linux was seeing the fact that a oh, new kernel and it's called headers. What the what is headers? Call it a kernel. You know, at least put it in the package manager as a kernel, not headers. And that really confused me. Well, that's not really just your kernel, though. Hey, uh, John the Nice Guy just ducked out, and I know I made a joke about his music, but we forgot to, or I forgot to, give him a plug for his show uh, in his his, uh, website, which is cchits. Is it .net? Oh, crap. I think it's cchits. Yeah, it is .net. Yeah, so he, he, and I always try to plug his, his website because it's, what he does is awesome. 
but he puts out a, uh, a different Creative Commons song every day. And if you like it, you go to cchits.net and vote for it. And he his, his website will generate a, uh, a top list for the week and for the month. And, uh, and it's awesome. And if enough of us do it, it will work. Yeah, it's all about the weekly review show, man. Yeah, speaking of that, have, have um, Dave and Caroline for the podcast been in any time this evening? Yeah, I'm guessing that they know. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.